Kia ora koutou, hello everybody and welcome back to Epic Aotearoa Creates a Better Future podcast as part of this special series in the service of others, Who Dares Wins. I'm um, super pleased and stoked to have a special guest today. It goes by the name of Greg Pup Johnson or is, is, is commonly referred to or known as Pup. So welcome brother, great to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> Mate, Excited. I, oh man, me too. So uh, I just want to first acknowledge and thank you for accepting the invitation to come on the podcast bro it's um it's hard it's been hard going i'm not <laughs> sure if you're aware but it's been hard going to try to get um some of the kiwi lads former kiwi sas uh regiment operators like yourself on the podcast and i understand completely why but i'm um, just really grateful that uh, you've accepted to come on and looking forward to having a good time with you bro yeah just i want to say thank you too bro and you know just just hearing bill on and then you know i've almost finished mids as one yeah uh, yeah, I think it's important we do talk, mate, and share our stories and, um, you know, help other people understand what it was like and, and what it is like. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important for our people, um, you know, especially the veteran community. Yeah, um, beautiful. And, yeah, I personally feel there's a duty for us to, to share what we can share. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate that, man. And um, yeah, so as we go through, we'll definitely look to delve into some of that. But I just want to give a bit of a, a backdrop because I appreciate some of the information that you've sent through to me. And I just want to read this first initial part, which will then just sort of lead into my first question for you, which awesome. is going to be a, around um, the SAS in and of itself. So let me read through this. So uh, and just correct me as I go if I get something wrong. So you joined you joined the army as a territorial force or in the TF in 1991. Um, you went on to serve within Bravo Company or B Company, Seven Battalion. Um, you were there for just over a year or about a year before you joined the regular force in 1993. And then posted to Victor Company, One uh, R and ZIR. That was the company that I was with, so there at, at First Battalion. And you served there till '96. You got a compassionate posting because your um, dear grandmother was past, was dying of cancer at that time. Yes. And you got a compassionate posting down to the South Island to Second First Battalion, another incredible battalion. But um, we won't hold that against you. For <laughs> <heading down> there. <laughs> um, then you first uh, went to Eleven Platoon Delta Company and then moved to the recon debts or the company recon debts whilst you were there before you eventually posted to Ricky Platoon in 1997. Um, you served there till you did selection in 1999. We're going to come back to that soon. And then you started cycle in 2000, got badged that same year and posted to one of the squadrons at the time within the unit. Man, what a, what a journey. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff that I've got here in between <laughs> because you've been, you've bounced around a whole bunch of places, worked with an yeah. incredible amount of um, just very experienced and skilled people from what I know and understand and some of the people I know as well that you've mentioned. But um, I want to, I just want to rewind back and I just wanted to paint that bit of a picture so that people get a bit of an idea about some of your journey towards heading towards the New Zealand SAS. And I want to ask you, because I'm always fascinated by it, why did you decide to join the New Zealand SAS or what? where did that come from? Was it always there or was it something that you just woke up one year after being in the recon platoons down second first and decided I want to do this. Where did that come from for you, Pup? Originally, bro, probably in two parts. Like I understand now that it was my path. Um, so the things that it led me to choosing to go there were were just steps. But for me, bro, was as a young kid, my father was Air Force. Um, so we, or as a kid, up till I was 10, we were at Woodburn in Blenheim. Right. Um, so every now and then I'd see the planes and people parachuting, didn't know who they were, but 
Um, I was lucky enough to go to work with my dad a lot and play on planes and um, had a fashion. I wanted to be a helicopter crewman, bro, but uh, the old grades at school. (laughs) 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 That that vanished really quick. (laughs) Um, So had a dream, bro, to be a thing. And yeah, you know, Bill said, yeah, you can do it, you know, on his podcast. But yeah, yeah, at that age, bro, I I couldn't. Um, But yeah, bro, so I was, man, as a kid, I was dyslexic, so... Yeah, I didn't read too good and didn't enjoy school other than sport um, right, and, yeah. and woodwork and metalwork. But yeah, as a very young kid, always into... My granddad was in World War Two. He was a, a, in Crete. Wow. Um, so yeah, I had this fascination about soldiering. Commando comics, bro, I loved the images. You know, I'd look at them and didn't read the words, but looked yep. at the pictures. And <laughs> um, and then the Falklands War happened, bro, in 1982, and they've just had their reunion, eh, the 40 years. Mm. Um, but as a kid, bro, I used to save up all my money, my dollar fifty. Every two weeks, the Falklands magazine come out. You know, that wow. was, was the history of the thing. And anyway, the last one, there's 14, 14 of these magazines, magazines. bro. Yep. Yeah, and on the back cover, they had a unit. Each each one, they had a unit. In, and the last one, I think, was SAS, bro. Um, and here he was, and he had a green Gore-Tex jacket on, and he had these big <laughs> gaiters, bro, and a big pack, way, way bigger than anyone else. And had a had a M16 with a, with a night sight on it. And... Yeah. Yeah, bro, I was just like, that's me. You know, I knew I wanted to be in the army. Like, I'd given up the Air Force. I knew I wanted to be in the army. So, you know, I was, about, I was like Bill. I was seven years old, eight years old. Wow. Um, I saw that picture. There was things of them and, and what they did during the Falklands, bro. Yeah. And it's like, man, I'm going to join the army, and, and that's what I'm going to do because that's just cool. And, and it, yeah, it looked hard, but it looked like they're out there doing it. And I looked at all those other units, bro, and, and this is a theme through my career. Like you, drill, hated all that stuff, but... Mm. So, yeah, man, I'm going to be in the SAS. So <laughs> everything I did in the Army, bro, you know, I did nine years before I, I did selection, and that was just because I was scared. Um, I was scared of failing. Um, I was a good soldier, um, you know, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> I was a good yeah. soldier. Uh, but, yeah, so that was it, bro. I was set, set at that age, man, this is what I'm going to do. And, and like I said, it did take a long time. But um, wow. I said, man, I joined the infantry, and I did my nine years in the infantry, three battalions. And it's like I'm never going to war with these guys, you know. If I'm going, yeah, if yeah. I'm going to, if I'm going to get the opportunity to go to war, then I want to be with those dudes. Um, yeah, and gratefully that uh, you know, gratefully that played out. Man, awesome! Yeah. What a, what an incredible. I mean, that's only that's only a part of it, but I just wanted to yeah. jump in for a sec. I loved how you spoke about um, a part there, which I think resonates with a lot of people because the amount of messages that have come through about being. Uh, or being afraid i love your open openness and honesty about that being a bit afraid or scared to do it at that time for various reasons because at that time as well for you pup there's not a lot of information out there about what's involved what's required there's definitely no documentaries out there which are available now but um that stuff yeah it's very very daunting so say how did you overcome that mate how did pro (laughs) yeah one of my mates had gone uh we're in the ricky company Ricky Dets uh, together right. um, awesome dude went on to join 2-2 yep. um, but he, he got badged bro. He, I think he was two cycles ahead of you was, know the name. Name. Yep. I know the name yep. Yep. Uh, sent me a nom bro, in the mail so I'm Set in Ricky right. Platoon I get this envelope just with my name on it you know and I open it up and here's this blank nom bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know at the That's time awesome. who it had come from bro didn't had a clue um but yeah just you know looked in the mirror a little bit bro and, and said hey i've said i'm gonna do this and 
yeah, filled out that paperwork, bro, and secretly put it in. And, and for me, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I trained in secret, bro. I told nobody. Yeah, um, right. I was up up at four thirty in the morning, five o'clock, and I'd do my training and yep. yeah, I'd sneak to the gym in the afternoon and, and do some training, bro, and, and yeah, headed away. Good for um, you. But that was it. Yeah, that's how I got over it, bro. Make sense. It's the time to man up. You know, I've said these time words and and in, in, in here. Yeah. Yeah. Time to do it. And was that was that something that you had spoken about? with your mate who sent you through the nom? Did he know about it? So did, had you spoken about that with KP? Is that why he sent you the... Yeah, bro, yeah. Yeah, because he was oh, going okay. up and he was like, bro, you should come up. And, um, you know, I wasn't ready at that time. Um, yeah. I, was, I was scared, bro. I wasn't ready. I could have been ready. I was, I was fit and yeah. strong and motivated. But yeah, I wasn't motivated enough. Yeah, um, man. But that nom, that nom, yeah, it was Roger, right time. <laughs> that was yeah. the spark. Was it was, bro. Spark, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and I was getting to my three years in recce, bro. I was, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just done the juniors, which I'd avoided like the plague. <laughs> so, you know, what was for me to go back to a rifle platoon as a 2IC and then maybe a section commander? Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather do selection, bro. <laughs> yeah, selection. That's funny, yeah. man. That's yeah. Because I, yeah. I can resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you as well, so during that, what was selection like for you, bro? How Was it... Was it all those things that you sort of were maybe either fearful about or that you anticipated, or was it worse? Was it better? Was or was it just man? This is what I expected it would be like. I think it was everything I expected, bro. It was hard. Yeah. You know, it was, um, and it's cool listening to, like I said, some of the podcasts, Kiwi guys you've talked to, and like I said, I love what you're doing because it just resonates, and I wanted to come on because it's funny and we get to share our story. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was exactly the same, bro. It was hard for me. I lost. Um, I lost all the skin on my hands during the Junes, bro. You know, some I'm only five foot seven, and um, you know it was hard. Yeah, yeah, it was hard, and I was fit. Again, it was hard. Uh, you know, I found funny at the end, bro, because nobody talks about the sixty k. Yeah. You know, like I had plenty of mates that had done selection and passed. Yeah. No, like the Junes, bro, and this, bro, and that, bro. And nobody had ever talked about the 60K, and yeah. that was hard, bro. Yeah. That was hard, <laughs> you know. It is. Uh, yeah, yeah. People just don't, like Mids, you know, I cracked up. He's like, you think you're doing 3K and you're doing a K. <laughs> um, so it was everything. It was everything I thought, bro. It was everything I thought. And, you know, as the other guests have talked about, I was just grateful to be there at the end of each day. And that was my goal, just That's to be awesome. there at the end of each day, bro, uh, yeah. you know. Next checkpoint, Roger Staff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get to there, bro. You know, be there in the morning. And next checkpoint, Roger Staff, <laughs> uh, and and keep going. And yeah, that's that's how I got through. Yeah, that's but it was awesome. hard, man. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone back if I'd failed. I don't think I would have gone back. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you remember how many people were on your selection pup, and how many of you finished at the end? Mate, to I want to say forty-two-ish. I think mm. started. Yeah. Um, and we finished with. I want to say we finished with seven or eight. One good guy from second first didn't get accepted. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so I think that was that's what it was. Man, that's, yeah. that's still, so you had about seven or eight finish and yep. one got not accepted for the further training. Yes. Wow, yep. man. Yeah. That's yep. cool. And, and, or not cool for the guy that didn't get accepted. Like, that's that's tragic and, like, and it's heartbreaking. Like, I, I know some some really good people like you mentioned this guy's obviously a good dude yeah but um yeah that can be heart heart wrenching for guys to or, get 
Sorry, go ahead. A few years later, they asked him to come back up when they were they were getting assaulted to people, yeah. and and he said piss off. Yeah, oh, uh, he's still he's still enough. in the army, still in the army now in Burnham. Wow. Yeah, good dude, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. Good dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, such a yeah. it's very cool to hear. And then um, on there, you're going through cycle. And how many of you sort of jumping forward a little bit before I get you to come back and speak a bit about cycle because I'm interested to hear your take and, and thoughts on on the overall what cycle was like for you were you guys still doubling everywhere and all that sort of stuff or no you would have been still doubling yeah. everywhere. um <laughs> the, the the cycle coming on to or for you anyway what was that yeah i guess we'll jump into that now what was that like what was cycle like for you bro it was a dream mate and uh, you know i'd said as a child i wanted to do this and all the pictures and you know i was probably infatuated with being a good soldier yeah. Um, and Mids talked about it was everything I'd dreamed of like I was disappointed with the army because I thought my own assumptions that you'd be doing all this stuff and all that and we did to a point but not to the level I wanted to do you, yeah. know, you know I wanted to jump out of planes and shoot guns and have more bullets than I needed um, yeah. and that was cycle you know what it's like bro yeah. that was cycle was <laughs> you know everything was there helicopters were there yeah. you know the, the helicopters would be here in the morning like when I was in recce bro helicopters would be here and they don't turn up <laughs> You know, so, so those things, yeah. The Unimog shows up. I bro, I yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna do fast roping. Oh, you know, we're repelling. Sorry, and oh, yeah, we'll just go off the tower. Yeah. So cycle was amazing, bro, because you know, course after it was hard again. You know, yeah. keep, it's a theme, but you know, course after course was a challenge. It was you know the med course and then SIGs and then you're just learning all these different skills and you know I just really felt like I was being a soldier, even though it was still training and I was aware of that. You know, yeah. but. Yeah, I felt like I was finally soldiering. Awesome. And you know, to many, a level. Oh, sorry, go. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, just to a level of, you know, you know what it's like, that that level of performance where you are tested every day. Mm. Um, yeah. Brilliant, mate. And how many of you, so from the seven or eight uh, that are on cycle, because it's a small, did you do that? Was your selection earlier in the year or was it near the end of the year and pretty much a short break and then the following year you're into the cycle? November. Yeah, selection oh, yeah, in November. Yeah, yeah Christmas yeah. off and trying to recover like i had no skin yeah. on my feet no skin on my hands bro I was, yeah. yeah just spending that time didn't run didn't trying do anything to, yeah, yeah. Trying to recover eh? yeah coming into cycle was hard because i was unfit because it just took me that long to recover um you know so yeah yeah but for cycle yeah yeah for cycle we had john mcnutt had joined us because he had yeah. done your selection um he was on our cycle and then we had the three guys you and i have previously talked about yeah come on as well so we had a decent i think 10 started cycle started cycle awesome and yep. how many of you finished how many were there at the end on, for the badging six six of you at the end yeah yeah and then unfortunately john was killed not too long after yeah yeah it was sad news to hear about that and um i guess th this would be cool because i didn't really ask uh bill uh bill spoke a bit about his connection to john and how yeah. they were good mates and how he had encouraged him and, and those sorts of things and i think you know bill still carried a bit of I guess some guilt and around you know his encouragement to John to come up <laughs> and, and join the unit and that sort of thing but what was could you speak a little bit about if it's all right about yeah. what John McNutt was like um, during cycle because my my glimpse of him on selection he was a machine like I said he in that 60k he just cruised past and I was peed off but um, <laughs> he, he was a he was a great guy even during selection he was very quiet he um 
he just sort of he would contribute when he felt he needed to in some of the activities and stuff that we were involved in but that just sort of stuck out to me because I hadn't seen officers like him sort of like that or be like that he just seemed like one of the guys from my yeah. short very short time with him but could you speak a little bit about what he was like during cycle and your time getting to know him yeah bro just stepping back so um he was from second first and um when i'd found out he had passed selection like i was covertly going around talking to whoever i could bro oh, do awesome. my I, ipb of the battlefield you know just getting yeah. my <laughs> getting my knowledge ready yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> So yeah, I went and, and John was awesome, bro. Him and I used to hang out every now and then and, and he'd tell me what selection was like and um, for him. Um, yeah. So that gave me a really good insight. Nice. Um, but then on cycle, John was amazing, mate. He was, yeah, as a person, he was just so humble. Mm. You know, his his father was one of the pioneers of the helicopter hunting down south. and um, But John was just, he was so strong, bro. Yeah. Um, he was he was always there to help. He was he was an officer and he was very DS. You know, he was very, you talked about Dale pumping on the dunes. <laughs> John was very straight as in, you know, um, there were the rules and they were to yep. be applied by. Um, but he was very easy to coax out of that, like John Hootie's wins, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, in the gym, bro, like we used to go to the gym together or, or be at the gym at the same time. He was just a machine and an amazing person and, when we did the CT course and we'd have to do the run back from the range back to, because we camped at Hobby, bro. We were yeah, still at, right. no, sorry, we camped at Pap. Yeah. We were living in the old headquarters before it got all renewed. So we were at Hobby for cycle um, and we'd have to run back from the range every day um, with a guy yeah, that I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah. um, prided himself on being a run, but he couldn't beat John. He Is could beat right? the rest of us, bro, but he couldn't beat John. It used to piss wow. him off. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, um, I could imagine. Yeah, yeah. And as I said to you on the phone, bro, like, you know, during the fighting course, the CQB course, and, you know, John was my name. He's a Golden Gloves boxer, bro. And, you know, every time I got in the ring, I'd just lay down because get knocked out every time. <laughs> a few times he did knock me out and just lay looking at stars, bro. So, um, yeah. But the funny side of John, like, you know, we used to, it was hard to drag John out on the piss, bro. You know, it was like, yeah. come on, John, we're going to town. And, you know, we had a good cycle. We'd all stay together and go out and do that stuff like yours did, like all cycles do, I guess. But, yeah. You know, like we'd be in town, bro, in the middle of the city and, and we would have a sober driver. Um, and then all of a sudden, bro, you know, it'd be like 11 o'clock at night and you'd be like, fuck, where's John? <laughs> Everybody's like, has he scored or what? You know? <laughs> and, and then many a time, bro, like you go back to the parking building where the car is and John's asleep under the car. <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, come on, bro, we'll all head back to camp. And yeah, uh, that was John, you know, a couple of drinks and he'd be happy and... Yeah, yeah. Very really driven. Yeah, yeah, bro. Very driven guy. Bro. Very driven guy, but so nice, so humble. So, yeah. And, and it was sad for our cycle, as in, you know, a lot of cycles, they they get the officer or officers, whatever they have to go on, and they become the CO. Yeah. You know, and you have that cool connection, being in the unit, and you've, your mate's the CO, and you've got that yeah. connection. Yeah. You know, we didn't get that, because you know, John passed away, so we didn't get to have somebody as a CO that was of our cycle that we yeah, could really have that yeah. connection to. Um, yeah. certainly taken too soon yeah 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 Man, what a great guy and, and thank you for sharing those those memories and those lived experiences about him um yeah like i said that just confirms sort of <laughs> my impression of him on selection what a wonderful man he is so yeah. thank you for sharing that pup really appreciate Welcome. it Welcome. um any any standouts for you on uh on your cycle in terms of um it's funny you mentioned mentioned 
But uh, <laughs> whether it be courses or whether it be character traits of staff, and you don't have to name them, but yeah. was there anything that stuck out to you that you know that are just really etched in your mind? I, I think I remember there's one, and because you've already mentioned, I remember he would just randomly yell times <laughs> like. We would be sitting in the mess. I remember we were, at, we were having dinner. We are at Papakura. We had just finished some shooting. And he'd come bursting in through the door. Man, it's all right. I'm here. And we are like... And then he'd just carry on. Like nothing, like nothing's happened. And just carry on and do whatever it is he needed to do or get him some food. Yeah. But we'd be, I'd be sitting there looking at some of the other guys and look at them and go, bro, is that fella, like, is he all right? I'm like, <laughs> is there something that i'm missing here the, just as a young immature not not sure yeah. of what was going on but man he just said uh he's one of those i guess for me real polarizing character that i remember from cycle very very well and he was yeah, i remember a lot of the runs he, he smashed us on the runs and things like that but it's interesting as you mentioned that he never yeah. beat john so yeah i could imagine that that would have really <laughs> ho-ha bro yeah. <laughs> he used to be ho-ha at the end of these runs <laughs> yeah we used to love it as a cycle bro it's like ha ha staff ha can't beat him <laughs> Yeah. So what about what about for you on cycle? Any anything anything that sort of stands out that's stuck in your head from your time in cycle? Yeah, lots, bros. Like yeah, I bet. Yeah, because the boys when I did cycle, that most of the unit had deployed to Timor. Right. Um, so, you know, this one's I think one squadron was training up to go, and boys were already over there. Yeah. Um, so we pretty much for the whole cycle, bro. Depending on the spec courses, um, you probably remember. Um, yeah, yeah. And, oh, that's another scary character. But so d- different, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. quiet and sneak up on you versus loud and coming to get you. <laughs> um, you know, we we had those two for pretty much all a cycle. Yeah, right. So, bro, it was, um, yeah, it was interesting to other cycles where you see instructors rotate out, you know, training wing's big, but because of the operations, you know, it was just them two. So, yeah, yeah we... We dealt with those people day in, day out, and, and bro, long, slow runs, man, long, slow runs. You know, 20K, here goes, boys. Yeah, and the CT course, we would, um, the CT course, we were, because like I said, we're living in Papakura, yeah. uh, camping in the old headquarters on stretches. Um, come and get us up, mate, two in the morning, and get into the BTF, bro, and he'd gas us. <laughs> hey, you'd be in there in your undies, bro shorts whatever <laughs> and you'd be in there sucking on the cs gas bro <laughs> you know whatever regimental number if we hadn't been yeah, good yeah. that if we hadn't been good that day or deemed to be good you know, get in that chamber bro <laughs> you know what it sounds like eh? that thing just bounces across the floor <laughs> yeah yeah and then and give then, the spiel and then try yeah. to run your way out get back to bed yeah yeah roger <laughs> yeah and off you go um yeah, so that was um, yeah, another funny one. We're doing the CT course, bro, and, and we were repelling in the city. Um, and I, I don't know what happened, but we're all stacked up, you know, getting ready to go, 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 abseil and down through a window and, yeah. and whatever. We're there for ages for some reason. Somebody hadn't made a decision, and we're all started slipping. <laughs> we're just all, all slowly go just past skip. the window, bro. <laughs> and as you remember was running that course bro and yeah that was another one that was funny keystone cops we got we got feasted feasted you know for that bro it was just yeah 
funny at the time, but not funny to the staff. Yeah, yeah, 100% yeah. not funny to the staff. And yeah, yeah. The, the staff that you mentioned there played a key role. They must have still been there um, after my cycle because the names that you've just mentioned yeah. had, a, had a significant role to play. And I remember that was a comment they got used, yeah, that we looked like Keystone Cops. I remember yeah. that getting thrown around by the staff a number of times yeah. during the CT phase. Um, but it just also, it highlights, I guess, the the human aspect of the operators within that unit, like guys like yourself and other guys that have gone before and guys that are that are coming through after. Like I was interviewing one of the Aussie Regiment guys, Daniel Cooper, great guy, um, who spoke about, oh, these, these guys are just normal people. Yeah. And um, just very driven though. And, and there is something unique and different about you guys and the stuff that, that drives you to to do what you do and to be some might call pedantic some might you know see certain things as as odd behavior but man there is something about those core group of people but what i loved about what you're just describing is not only were they very skilled but also just just really good people and had a i guess a warped sense of humor for a yeah. number of things <laughs> so it's nice yeah sorry go no, no, all good, bro. Yeah, I was lucky on cycle that a, a couple. Of, the guy who sent me the nom, he would said, and and some others that I'd known from both one battalion and second first, who were we were all in, either recce together or the companies back in the day, and um, they were good to me, bro. Like on cycle, we were doing the I think it was the, uh, the abseiling course or whatever, you know, where you're on the tower and yep. fast roping and all that, and they were mountain troop guys who were running it, right? Um, and I knew a lot of those guys, and and they'd call me over and go, Johnson, come here. And I'd go running over and they'd have their beret in their pocket, yeah. you know, badge up, bro. You know, <laughs> hey, boy, you want one of these, eh? <laughs> <laughs> mates, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. not because I was on cycle. I knew they weren't mates, but they were mates, you know, and, yeah. and like Roger Staff, I do want one of those. Yeah. Like, Piss off, boy. <laughs> Run off. Yeah, I was, I was lucky in that sense that, yeah, some good guys. And, and they had the humility, too, to know that I was on cycle and I knew I was on cycle. Yeah. Um, but they they weren't yeah they were they were humble they were you know we were mates back in the past and, and we still were mates just because I was on cycle so they yeah showed me an understanding which was good for me it was motivating like yes staff I do want that you know but knowing that yeah. I'll see you on on Friday bro or Saturday yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's great I love that you could could you speak a bit more about that because there is this I didn't know um, I didn't have any friends. Uh, in that were already badged operators in the unit. I knew who some of the people were just because of my interactions with some of them through, you know, the, the Lone Pine and the yeah. inter-battalion sort of competitions and stuff. So there was um, one or two people that I that I knew of and uh, probably one in particular that I knew more so. He was more second first battalion and his father served in the unit as well. You would know him well. Um, and he, so I knew who he was, but there, there's this, I guess I don't know whether it's unspoken or what or you just know but even when when you've got friends either whether they're on selection or on cycle like there's this uh, not there's not a lot of communication right that happens in terms of how you were when you're at battalion you you know you're good mates like you're saying and you've got good mates there but there's there's a line that you basically that you can't cross because you're not part of that group or those that unit yet could you speak a little bit about that and what that was like did you ever catch up with your mates back in the barracks after like the badge operators or was it was that line still there um and still present the whole time until such time as you crossed that threshold so to speak and received your own beret <coughs> i think the line was there but at times it was crossed you know 
because we were good friends. You know, it was true friendship. It wasn't, um, and it was transcended in the cycle. Um, you know, and I was still working hard to prove that I deserved to be there. You know, I didn't, I didn't ride on uh, me personally. I didn't go, oh, my mates are there. I'm already in. So, you know, it's yeah, never yeah. an illusion I was under. But, um, you know, there's times I went to parties with the boys, you know, away from the unit, but that they were going to. Yeah. Um, you know, and every now and then they'd, they'd talk to me in the mess, you know, if uh, senior people weren't around or because there were the certain, you know, yeah, the people, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Even when I was in the unit and I had mates come up and do selection or on cycle and I'd go and talk to them and I'd have seniors come over and say, hey, boy, you don't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, until I got a bit, yeah. yeah, until I got a bit senior and, and you know, I got to the point where I'll do whatever I need to do. You know, if I can offer that person some advice, like I think, and the unit went through a mentality change too of, you know, hey, let's, um, and if I could jump in now and tell a story, I don't remember yeah, if you remember it. Bill Moffat. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do actually, yeah. Yeah, so piece. Bill, yeah. yeah, Bill passed away, obviously Moo's dad, Bill passed away last year. and um, But Bill was living in Papakura, um, running the range, you know, and he yeah. lived up above the, yeah. the target shed. Um, but Bill was awesome, bro. And when we were on cycle, Bill would come up to us and go, boys, it was different in my day. You know, we wanted yeah. people to get through. And um, he was awesome for our cycle, bro. And I really had a good connection with him. And all of us did. He'd come and eat with us and tell us stories about Vietnam. And, um, yeah. you know, he was just yeah, such an awesome person. So, yeah, yeah that him saying that it used to be different and, and then how we went through. Um, and I'm not saying it was right or wrong. It was what needed to happen. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so... Back to your question. Yeah, bro, the line got crossed and, and yeah, I never, I was never arrogant that they were my friends and I thought I was in. Yeah. Um, but they were mates and I enjoyed that time of, of catching up with them and, and they offered me advice and learnings and, and you know, hey, do this nice. with your kiss or do yeah. that or try this or, you know, you're doing okay or you're not doing okay. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, because they were mates and it was bigger than, bigger than, the, you know, what we were doing. Yeah, awesome. which I'm grateful for, bro. I'm extremely grateful to all those people that that did that for me because I know and I've seen, as you have, it cannot be like that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and there's some people who are, um, for whatever reason, incredibly arrogant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. Thanks for sharing that. And Because uh, I'm always interested, uh, again, probably somewhat from my own side because I didn't have any close friends. I didn't know anybody in the unit, so I didn't. All my perception was was that they weren't allowed to speak to their friends mm. because I know some of the guys on my cycle knew a number of, you know, probably I would say fairly senior <coughs> operators in the unit by then, but even they then, you know, couldn't openly speak or communicate with them um, at all, especially when some of the older heads are around as well, yeah. um, or more experienced heads. So, yeah, no, that's cool. That's great to hear, and it's brilliant to hear that, you know, like you mentioned, the friendship transcended that mm. and you just found opportunities to be able to still interact and have that maintain that friendship so thanks for speaking about that pup actually Welcome. that's that's one thing can you give us the story about how you got the nickname pup yes yeah, so because you're, you're pretty much referred to by that from everybody that knows you right even uh was it former governor general uh Mataparai? yeah you know, my Mataparai calls you pup yeah well, funny you pup. my mum's ex-partner got a got a you know one of those awards where you go to government house and uh get an award and um my mother was there with him and my mother said to Jerry, knowing that I'd met him, and goes, um, oh, my son was in the army. And, and you know, Mataparai goes, you know, there's a million people in the army. <laughs> um, 
oh what was your what was your son's name you know just being nice yeah. um she goes oh greg johnson he goes oh pup i know pup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um going back when i joined tf uh yeah 91 and then i did my first when they did those annual camps you know two weeks you had to do every year full time and um we were in wairu right um, and we had a platoon sergeant um craig peerless i thought his name was fearless bro for the longest time craig peerless <laughs> Big dude, big mouldy dude, covered in tats, was a policeman. Right. Um, story I got told is he got kicked out of STG because he had this huge knife that he used to carry on his back, um, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, Breach, right. Breaching, I'm breaching. guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, but anyway, I, I heard the story that one of the senior senior police people said, oh, you need to go and tell that guy to take that knife off the back. And he said, you go tell him. Um <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I'm 17 years old, bro. You know, it's my first thing. I'm a warmonger sort of kid. Yeah. Um, and we're on this exercise and all these tasks were coming up and like to go out and find the enemy and all that. You know, TF, bro, we didn't really know the rules. Um, yeah, and then I'd volunteer for everything. And he said to me, <laughs> Jesus, boy, you're just a... He was reading the book, The Dogs of War. Yeah, right. And uh, he said to me, boy, you're just a bloody dog of war. And I was, I was like, it's awesome. And he goes, oh, how old are you? I said, oh, 17, staff. He goes, uh, well, Sarge, he goes, yeah, you're just a pup. Uh, and that was it stuck yeah. ever since yeah yeah like there's yeah. still people in the army now i'm sure don't know me as anything but pup, but pup. you know <laughs> I still have co's that come and call me pup and yeah so yeah, yeah it's, it's that's stuck. cool yeah so thanks yeah. to uh craig peerless then who yeah. who's given you that name and it's stuck yeah and he was another <laughs> in the journey of doing selection he had done selection right. um and he had passed and not been accepted yeah um, right yeah as a policeman or as a tf wow um, so he he told me stories you know i was just gathering snippets of people who had done selection and you know as mid said they were those awesome people that i aspired to be like brilliant yeah. brilliant mate awesome yeah and in your <coughs> so in your time we're going to fast forward a little bit um so during your first year within the unit so the badging happens there's six of you complete receive yep. your bearing yep and then you get deployed to one of the squadrons and in your first year, you mentioned you spoke about you were lucky enough to get the advanced med course, which is a yeah. fantastic course, and close protection. And then you then you deployed, um, well, in two thousand two for a seven month tour to Afghanistan. So was that your first, was that your first operational deployment then? That one, I'm um, sort of bro lucky because I had got those two courses done in that first year. <laughs> yeah. um, there was a um, major general done was going over to visit the guys who went on the first rotation, um, right. the A squadron guys, um, and they needed a close protection team. So I got to go over, bro, for three weeks uh, pre my deployment gotcha. um, to, to be on this close protection team for, for him. Yep. Um, so that was cool. We had to go over there in three weeks and tour the whole country. Um, wow. And the guys down in, in uh, Kandahar. Um, and then I come home and then I think a month later, yeah, we deployed on our, on my first my first operational tour yeah gotcha gotcha and did you know so can you take us through or talk talk us through a bit about what that was like so did you know pro, like going on that three week close protection detail did you know that you were going to come back and then you would be part of the next lot to be getting ready to go over yeah yeah okay. so obviously we only had you know a and b then and so and we knew who was on the next one and, and we were also on a fact finding mission for for the rest of the guys Gotcha. So we went over and yeah, we knew where we were going. So we were taking a lot of notes when we caught up with the guys and yeah. you know what kit do you need and what are you doing and what are the missions and you know um, 
yeah, so we brought all that back to nice. the rest of the squadron. Yeah. And how was that? So what was that process like for you knowing that this is this is going to be this is real now like all this stuff is going to be happening the stuff that we've been training for preparing for some of your closest friends or brothers extended family whatever you want to call them we're now getting ready to go be boots on the ground and do what we've been training to do what can you describe and talk us through what that was like for you the feelings and any i guess preparation whether that be personal or probably predominantly personally that you went through to get yourself right before heading over I think like every operator, bro, you, all the others, that excitement at finally getting to do the test, you know, finally getting to, you know, people ask me what the military's like and all of that. And I say it's, you know, you can study, study, study. That's all we're doing on exercise, eh? study, mm -hmm. learning, practicing, you know, the theory. Um, that's the test. Um, yeah, so it was just excitement, bro, just excitement that I was getting to go and do the test. Uh, and I always said that if I was going to go on operations, it was going to be with this unit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was now here. Um, and I was excited, you know, I was a young fellow, I was, as in, I was 27 years old, 26, 26 years old. But I was the young guy, you know, I was the, um, or our cycle obviously was the youngest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were the young fellas. <coughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, boyish, boyish excitement, mate, to, to be on operations and this coalition, you know, where we lived in Kandahar. Uh, we had the SEALs, we had the Norwegians, Germans, US ODAs, Man. Aussies, uh, yeah. before they, they left to go up north. But <clears throat> we had all those people, bro, and it was a dream for me. Mm. That's what I joined for. This is the people I'm living with. And yeah, it was amazing to be one doing missions, but then socializing with all those different units. Um, you know, awesome parties. And I've got a cool story I could tell. Um, Feel free. Yeah. As long as it's not going to compromise anybody or <laughs> no yeah um yeah so we were there on this thing and uh, the norwegians had a um, a national day um, and they'd got a cooked up um on a spit um but anyway we were heading out on a mission <clears throat> so we went out i think we we're away two three weeks but we come back but they'd carved or made these beautiful so the norwegians had two units their their army special forces and their navy and they had a joint task force there together uh, but for this national day, they'd carved these beautiful, big, huge um, cat badges um, and, and coloured them all in. And it was beautiful, bro. They were huge. So another guy you might know. Yeah. Went to went to the UK. But um, yeah, him and I, mischief, bro, mischief. So He is another just, blinking machine. Yeah, I, but bro, anyway, sorry, carry on. I, yeah. <laughs> um, so him and I decided that'd be cool if we had them. You know, <laughs> that'd be cool to take home to New Zealand for our bar. <laughs> Um, so one night this bro, is, I'm just going to jump in quickly <laughs> this is where that saying comes from even when I was in Australia if it's not yeah. nailed down the Kiwis are going to take it That's yeah the... <laughs> I got another Sorry, story yeah so I get up at you know two in the morning bro put on our boogie masks <laughs> um, you know ninja over to this another special forces compound um, got our screw we've already done our recce bro done our recce knew exactly what tools we needed ladder where their ladder was so we could climb up to get these because they'd mounted them up on their accommodation uh yeah go and we rehearsed bro we'd rehearsed <laughs> knew who was gonna do what uh get in there bro up screwdrivers stuff out down anyway so bro we get these back hide them in our queue store back in our little area um first thing in the morning bro 
up straight over there because that's what we used to do when we went on ops or on, yeah. on a job we'd go over and have coffee with these guys become good gotcha. friends um to this so you day. didn't want to disrupt the pattern or the yeah oh hell no routine. bro but <laughs> but it gets better so we go over bro and cruise in like we normally would coffee bro you know nine in the morning and um, they had good coffee those guys kiwis we had nothing <laughs> we used to we used to go and get things from everybody else so we cruise over bro and they're all out all out looking and, and me and like hey what's up fellas so oh, some bloody wankers have stolen our things. We're like, what? They're like, it was you fellas, eh? Me and Bernie, like, would we turn up? Would we turn up now, bro, if we had stolen them? And they're like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? We said, no, hey, hand on heart, you know, truth to brothers, we wouldn't do that. And uh, me and Bernie, are like, hey, we're trackers. Do you want us? Because it's sand, obviously. We're like, do you want us to track? Oh, so we start tracking these fellas over to the Navy SEAL camp. <laughs> so Bernie and I are doing our best tracking, bro. You know, hey, here's things. And these Norwegians are like, you know, we're known as, as trackers, and Bertie and I weren't actually trackers. But, um, you know, they didn't know that. Kiwis, eh? Kiwis are the trackers. And we tracked it over, bro, and laid the finger on the Navy SEALs. And, and anyway, they never found um, these badges. Fast forward a couple of years, and, and the Norwegian-New Zealand relationship had become really good, and those guys had come over to do some training. Um, walk in the bar, bro. And that's what they see. These are guys from that trip. Better now come over to do a, a mountain course here in New Zealand. <laughs> like your mother, you know, won't swear, but they're like you buggers, you know. Hear these things up on our bar. Probably still there today. Yes, they're, they're still there there. today. Yep. Did you just yeah. get a photo yeah. underneath them with, yep. with the Norwegians there and go pointing? Yep. <laughs> Good. Yeah. They are like man, because we laid it on, bro. We laid it on. Yeah, yeah. laid it on thick. Oh yeah. man, that's hard. And, and another one, same same time, yeah. like you said, if it wasn't nailed down, uh, the SEALs had this awesome air-conditioned tent. Um, <laughs> and obviously, we didn't, bro. We didn't have anything. So we thought, or the, the contingent, hey, we thought, hey, that tent would be awesome here. What, have it what as size is that, that one? Huge it one. Been, what, like one of the big 20 by 40 blankets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not a <laughs> you know, one of those ones that had the green on the outside, but that, that rubbery stuff yeah, had the air-conditioned unit hooked up. You know, big proper one. So all of us decide, you know, all of us decide that that would be good and we'll make it a movie tent. So when we're back from jobs, you know, we got somewhere to chill out and the supporters would have somewhere awesome. And so, bro, we clip forward, grab one of the vehicles, head over. <laughs> one of the boys did the talking, went over and we knew they were out on a job. So we knew no one was around but their support staff. Rolled up with the paperwork, bro. Hey, this is, and we're all there ready to help. Packed it up. <laughs> Was <laughs> packed it up on the truck back to our camp, bro. <laughs> and set it all up. <laughs> set it all up. Who and it did stayed the paperwork? there. I don't know. Somebody would have just written it up. <laughs> yeah. Had a clipboard, everything, bro. Legit. And, and here we. And their support staff just looked at it and said, okay. And just, you guys just got into it, packed it up. Yeah. Well, we had somebody with rank because, you know, you <laughs> yeah. know like what, one day we went to borrow a shovel off some American guys and it was like, man, you have to ask my corporal. Go over the corporal. Hey, bro, can we borrow your shovel? Just need to dig a little hole here. And he's like, No, bro, you need to ask my sergeant. <laughs> just want to use it. It's going to take me a minute. Yeah, I just want to clear this. Yeah, so that's what that's what they were like. Hey, eh? so this guy was like, Oh, okay. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, you haven't got the thing. You need to sign here. We're already packing it up, bro. The rest of us. I'm a trucking out. That is how yeah. guess who this yeah. wins, man. Yeah, you know, our history, eh? It's you yeah. know, um, you know, go back to LRDG and all of that and. Um, yeah, that's what we that's what we did. This is exactly why the guys, I guess, never trusted me. Things went missing. In the <laughs> right. They were like, "No, nah, Joe took it." 
Yeah. Thank you, Nick. I was like, no, I did it. Well, I've seen That's those no green case. trunks on your fitness things. <laughs> I got three of them too, bro. <laughs> Went to hand them back. <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, reason. <laughs> yeah, there, there are some valid reasons. There's yeah, a reason. Guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But we made the most of it. Yeah, we made the most of. Sounds like it. If man. it wasn't tied down, we were bartering, bro. Like people loved our hutchies. We <laughs> yeah, were getting, yeah. we were getting those, you know, Garmin E-Tricks when they first come out. Is we were swapping right? those for hutchies. For hutchies. Yeah, you know, oh, um, doing deals left, right, and centre, mate. Yeah, was um, Kiwis. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, mate. Thanks a lot for sharing those. And and this Welcome. is great. Like any more of those types of stories as we go through, please feel free to share them. Um, yep. Those are great. And man, just. Oh man, it's it's so good to have a good belly laugh with um, somebody like yourself and those that have got these cool experiences and are able to share them in the way that you have. I want <clears throat> to move into something now. So I appreciate you sending me um, some information based on my questions to you offline. <clears throat> and this was something that caught me uh, by surprise, but I also <clears throat> wanted to ask you about it. So after... You decided you chose to go and do the 22 essay selection course, and um, but you put on there you chose to voluntary withdraw from the course. Would you mind speaking off the 22 one? Would you mind speaking about how how that came about first, the desire to want to go to 22, and then um, the why you chose to pull off? So first, why you wanted to go to 22? Because I know a lot of Kiwis do go there. And, uh, and a lot of them are over there at the moment, and that was a big driver for me, seeing and knowing of some people that had gone there. Um, and I thought, wow, you, you can do that. That was sort of a catalyst for me, but also the fact that I was did something stupid also sort of accelerated that <laughs> process. But um, where did your drive to want to go to 22 come from, and why did you decide to withdraw from that selection? Driver, you know, as we know, yeah, I was in the New Zealand SAS and I'd, you know, I was a young guy and I'd been on my first operation and been exposed to like back then where all our infills were by 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, mm-hmm. um, you know, those helicopters and uh, we had drone support, you know, we had AC-130 support, Yeah. Um, you know, every mission was real. You know, I, I think we had something like 48 channels in our radios, you know, all active channels, bro, yeah. um, but you could use, you know, obviously weren't using, but um, CSAR and Alt-CSAR and this channel and that channel and um, and meeting all those other units. Um, in a side note, we we were lucky enough, we were doing a vehicle patrol um, and we got a radio call one day um, saying, hey, you need to go outside the AO and helicopters coming in. And we're like, what the hell? You know, it's not resup. It's not, you know, resup's not for another week. You know, we've got all these. Anyway, so we, you know, ACK, ACK, <laughs> headquarters yeah. says that, right? <laughs> Off you go, eight vehicles. We trundle off to secure this HLZ and, and in flies this helicopter and out drives a, a, a Humvee uh, with Delta guys on it. Right. So they heard what we were doing in the mobility space and, and they wanted to come out and spend um, some time with us uh, to learn. Um, so they come out with us for eight days, bro. And um, Yeah, so just talking to those guys and they were next level, bro. They were next level assets. They had an example like we we had to go and um, you know what those patrols are like, bro. We were sent off to check this out and check that yeah. out, and um, we'd been sent to find this cache that they reckon there was in this mountains, um, and we found this cache. Well, you know, so we go to this place and we're looking around and we go in and do the old shura in town, or some of the leadership went in and did the shura, 
um, come back out and said, oh no, there's no no stuff like that around here. So these Delta guys, bro, they just called in fast air. They had two jets just coming fucking low level afterburners across this town. Yeah, right. You know, and then next minute out comes the the old head villager and yeah, there is. <laughs> we'll, we'll take you to it. Um, so that, that was the, these guys were next level, bro. You know, um, and and me being infatuated with with other SF units, um, I me and Birdie actually spent a lot of time with these guys talking and, um, you know, just being groupies pretty much to these guys, um, just wanting to learn. You know how do you do stuff and why do you do stuff and um, you know to be better obviously and um, yeah learned a, a heap from them and, and actually had a dream of going to Delta yeah, um, right. so yeah this is all leading into just this exposure to all these high level assets bro yeah and then come home to New Zealand and, and just the reality of it's not like that here you know like we'd do an exercise and we'd have one of those little air trainers as our our AWACS as our ISR platform mm. <laughs> you know so for me coming back from having drones and amazing helicopters and gunships and yeah. i bro i you know it was it was real to the next level yeah you know and, and, and my pursuit of excellence um you know two two was the was the avenue that yeah everybody right. said oh you can't go to delta which you know we probably could have but we didn't try hard enough to investigate yeah. that um so yeah bro you know i'd had some guy a guy had come back and quite a few other kiwis had gone um so there was a pathway um over yeah. there and yeah, I chose to go on that pathway with four other guys and um, went over there. Yeah, but for me, because that's a big call. Like, yeah, going going through, you've gone through the NZ one. You know, you've gone through that as hard and as challenging as it is, and you've made the decision. Now, then your boots on the ground over there in amongst on the selection course. It's a huge call. So that I appreciate again your honesty just really comes through in terms of what you've spoken about either prior to leading up to the New Zealand one, now going on this one and to put that down there, you know, there's not a lot of people that are wanting to talk about the failings and the mistakes, which is part of the reason that I found value in listening to other people's mm. messages and stuff around what it is that they've done and things that they maybe regret. There's a whole bunch of things that I regret, but things that they've maybe failed at <clears throat> and things that they're doing now, like it doesn't define who we are, right? So I love that you've added this in there and just really keen to yeah, hear your thoughts around what, why you chose to withdraw from the selection. And at what stage, like how far into it sort of thing? I think we're a couple of days out from test week. Right. Yeah. Um, so and it I like chose a pre-selection phase? Yeah, bro, yeah. Yep. I think it was, um, it's a month long, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, and you do three weeks and then a week of testing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, over there. Um, it was just hard, bro. I was, yeah, I've got no other thing. It was hard and, and I chose to withdraw. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't take me long to make that decision. Um, I've worked a lot on regret and understanding regret and I don't have any regrets in my life because I've worked on that. Mm. Um, and I took the lessons that offered me. You know, I took awesome. the lessons that, that offered me, bro. And um, But yeah, it was, you know, the day was, you know, what the UK can be like. We're out on the, I think we're in the Brecon's bro couldn't see a hand in front of me you know <laughs> uh it was winter um yeah i just had to get to this checkpoint bro and i was like oh my god you know it's um yeah um so i got finally got there and i was like oh, stuff that's me i'm done he said okay you turn around and walk all the way back to the truck so this is that leg just in reverse <laughs> yeah. all good all good um 
yeah that's yeah it was just hard for me bro and, and at the time yeah i just pulled out because I, I wasn't i wasn't driven yeah. for that goal you know every other goal i've achieved um mm. that i have thing and yeah my reflection on that was yeah i just wasn't driven at the time um to achieve that um, yeah yeah rightfully so ah, awesome i love how you yeah. mentioned that you know just weren't driven at that time like mids was talked about yeah. with, with his one with his he yeah. wasn't ready um yeah it can you know it can be wasn't couldn't be that we weren't ready that we weren't driven could be any yeah. number of things so i appreciate you sharing that and i think just for well, me hearing that and i'm sure anybody else that's either currently in the army or aspiring or looking to join a unit like that that's going to be really helpful for them like it's already helpful for me you can take that and go all oh, right cool so i know i need to be driven what do I need to do to prepare? I loved how you were speaking to all these people and gathering that intel, helping you prepare as well as you could and fulfilling your word on what you said you were gonna do right from a young fellow where you wanted to be. So you've achieved a heck of a lot. And that's that was just one part. So I appreciate you speaking about that. Okay. And um, that then led to you moving into the private sector and you worked with some pretty cool companies, yeah. um, Control Risk Group and Triple Canopy. Um, and you did three to four years thereabouts on the circuit <clears throat> and I would love it if you could speak about what you saw or what you learnt during your time with both of those you know very well-known companies CRG and Triple Canopy um, what did you discover what did you learn about yourself and or the types of work that you were then doing as a private security operator well CRG was experienced bro as you know like um you know a mate of mine turned up there when it first kicked off and he got a a mokarov pistol and a pocket full of rounds uh and a mp5 that you couldn't see down the barrel because it was so bent um but when i got there you know it was a little bit better and luckily i had a um a kiwi uh, ex-kiwi unit guy um jeff witchman was my my team leader right uh we had an irish infantry guy who was our 2ic and poe and i as the other two yeah. Um, that was very eye-opening, bro. Like we were, you know, the missions you were doing over there, and we were in Basra at the time, and you know, driving up to all of these places, just two vehicles, yeah. mate, with three quants in the back of each vehicle. Like, how do you cross-load that? Yeah. You know, so it was, it was really interesting for me that you know we're doing this, and it was a risk. Every time you went out on the road, was a risk yeah. that that something was going to happen, and and we just didn't have the Brits, just didn't have the support. You know, so um, I was then. Poe and I were, were taken over to the, so at the time, you know, it was still the coalition running the place. Um, and we were we were put onto the governor's um, counter-assault team. Yep. Um, but we didn't last long. Both of us didn't last long there because we were running the training and yeah, it got a bit real for some of them. <laughs> <laughs> and we got the kibosh um, back to a team. Yeah, right. Um, so in the interim, yeah, so that was, it was an interesting experience just working with the Brits and, and how they operated um, on a budget and shoestring and, um, but yeah, we were sent up to Alamara um, and we were doing two week rotations, staying up there and, and just looking after people in Alamara. Um, and during the time we were there was when Barry Johnson got his VC when the Māori Army had that huge thing and we were locked down for two weeks, bro, getting mortared and rocketed every day and Bloody RPGs at the front gate and the snipers on the roof. We're having a field day. There's a book written about it by a British sniper. Um, but we were there with Triple Canopy. We're running the site security. Right. Um, so yeah, we become good friends with um, the the guys there. Anyway, got to a point where they were like, "Hey, come into our course. Do you want to work for us? We'll we'll give you the in." 
Um, yeah, so that was right. cool. So I had to go to America and do a course. Yeah. Um, and that was real, bro. That was went over and it was like uh, the close protection course. Um, but it was all run by Delta guys, ex-Delta guys, and, and, and still active Delta guys that were on leave. Gotcha. Um, so that was an awesome experience. And then, yeah, when I finally got to Triple Canopy, uh, all my leadership were ex-Delta guys from Black Hawk Down. Wow. So they were real and, and yeah, they were amazing people. And um, that was, yeah, I just, I got to put my skills into practice every day. Uh, every day, you know, like I said, I did three years there, four months on, a month off. Yeah. Um, but I was with these amazing people. When I first started, it was only Tier 1 and and Green Beret guys. Yep. Um, that fell away as the, you know, you know what it was like. The contract started changing and, yep. you know, Blackwater flooded <laughs> Blackwater, the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're now getting $3 a day versus, <laughs> you know, that's when I chose to leave. But, yeah, with these these teams, bro, were just amazing people and, and I ended up on a team with two guys I'd met in Afghanistan and a Sadabad uh, who were on an ODA up there. We are all on the same, t so bro, it was just all these people that come together and um, it was amazing. Yeah, just such a cool time and the lessons I learned and the things I got to do and the exposure there because of who they were, their connections, the, the ins that gave me to, to go yep. and meet other people and train at these different places. Amazing. Yeah, it's just real. Every day was real, bro. Like, and, and you know, you've been there, but and we'd be out on the, um, I, I first, with TC, I first went to Bakuba um, and then I went to Baghdad. Um, and we'd be out on that, you know, 4th of July parade ground thing, you know, just practicing wheel changes, mate, like a Formula One team. And we had, you know, pneumatic <laughs> drills and, and the company just got us what we needed. And, and bro, like, we could change a tire in 50 seconds and just driven a group of guys like to get up and, hey, no, we're not doing it. You know, Friday was the day off. Yeah. That would be our training day. Um, and we'd get up early and train all day, you know, how, how to cross load, how to do this, how to do med, how to shoot. Um, it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it was real. Yeah, real. Every day was real. Um, yeah, and then I slowly got to I got to be a team leader of a, a forty man detail and um, just to lead some amazing people and and have the support. No egos. No had a job to do. Had to get client from A to B in a bad place. Uh, everybody was on their game. You know, it was it was amazing. Brilliant, yeah. mate. Good to hear. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah, the, like. Those are two very well-known companies, and they had a they had very good reputations. They had they had some reputations for not so good things, like some of the yeah. kit in the earlier days. But also, yeah. um, as things progressed and as things evolved, and as more and more people got in there with the skills like what you and Poe and that and many others have, um, and have had, you know, those those companies were definitely well known in terms of what their capability was and the people, the caliber of people working there. So, thank yeah. you for touching on that and speaking Welcome. a little bit of that, Pup. Um, <coughs> I'm, I'm going to come back to so you've done that for a few years and then we, where you then return and you come back to the NZDF and to the unit in particular back to um, was it so was it still one NZSAS group at the time or was it the regiment yeah. by then oh, no the group, group. Yeah, yeah yeah it was the group till I left yeah, yeah. so you yep. come back to the group in 2007 um, and you went over to so you went to so did you go to um, Swanbourne in Perth uh, yeah. To SASR. Yeah. So to get get your head around all the TTP and stuff there that they're doing for Afghanistan because the NZ unit or the group was getting ready to head back in 2008. Um, can you talk us through how that yeah. all came about and what happened there? It was funny, bro. So the rumor was going around that somebody had to go to Aussie or not had to. You know, there was uh, 
there was a, a trip coming up to Aussie for somebody for four months to, to do this. Yep. Um, so I started early going around telling everybody it was me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, that's cool. Moo, Moo was the SSM, and I got called into yeah. the office one day and said, hey, you're going Aussie for this. Uh, this <laughs> Nailed it. It worked. <laughs> it worked, bro. Yeah, it's got universe, universe. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that when it come up in ops, it said, oh, Pup's going on that. <laughs> no, oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So slide your name up onto yeah. the, you know, TOD, Aussie. Um so yeah, I got called into the SCCM's office and, and got the brief and um, yeah, you know, got the task list of, of what they wanted me to achieve and um, yeah, got to go nice. over and I was yeah with with training wing over there um, awesome. for one of the yeah one of the Aussie cycles just uh, as they went through the um, urban phase nice. which we didn't have at the time you know we didn't have an urban phase just CT kind of yeah, tourism yeah. Um, and green obviously and um, yeah it was awesome I had some amazing um, the was the uh, he was amazing, bro. And I can't remember the other guy's name, but he was super strong. Um, a few of those. Holes. He was a corporal yeah. in the training wing at the time. Real good shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had an amazing experience over there and, and caught up with the likes of and some yeah, of the other yeah. boys that had just gone <laughs> yeah. over. Um, yeah. When I turned up, there was no accommodation for me. So lucky picked me up at the airport and I uh, stayed at good his man. place. Yeah, his place down on the beach for a couple of days. So I was like, man, this is it. I've nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Living the I've dream now. It. It's yeah. a beautiful place. Had you been there before then? No, no, yeah. no, first time. Um, but yeah, I had an amazing experience. And yeah, just obviously dug deep into the knowledge and, and how they were doing things and their lessons learned. And yeah, um, yeah it was amazing. And, and got actually called back early because things were ramping up at home. Yeah, okay. Um, so I had to come back after three months. Gotcha. Gotcha. And to, to implement it into the PDT for our, our first rotation back. Yeah, and yeah. Just, and that's a good point actually. So just onto that. So you were leading the PDT, or um, parts of it, just the you know certain the ah, training okay, aspect yeah, yeah. of of what I brought back. Yeah, brought back from Oz. Yeah, yeah, just all the urban training side. Awesome. Yeah, and then um, selected. So then you were on the first rotation back. You were down as a patrol commander. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, um, yeah, which was awesome. Was you know yeah. a chance to to lead and, and that first patrol I had was amazing bro was, um yeah just a, an awesome group of guys and as you know was one of them and yeah. um, a few others um yeah we had a reunion last year that organized it was amazing that's awesome yeah, yeah it was just a um probably one of the best trips I've ever been on brilliant I'm going to yeah. get you to I'd like you to speak a bit about that with within the context of what you you know what you can um I've got some questions there but I just want to let you in on a secret now that you've yeah. now that names come up yeah I, was, I mentioned it to you at the start but i thought i'd save it for here i actually yep. tried to call this morning yeah because i want to try to get some dirt on you like funny <laughs> stuff but uh he didn't answer his phone didn't he uh, and and i only just thought of it it was about 10 minutes before we were getting ready to kick off so i was like oh so i left a message i said sorry yep. you're probably not going to get this in time i said don't, don't worry about trying to call me back bro i'm going to put yep. my phone on D and or do not disturb and on silent so yeah i won't get it but i was just trying to get some dirt on old pup um, from you some funny stories and stuff like that but uh, yeah. maybe maybe we might flip that during during this because he didn't answer might get you to tell a funny story about him but yeah. um, no on on here coming back to this and that rotation you mentioned that that was the the best trip uh, that you'd been on would you mind are you able to speak about how and why that is because I, I get asked a fair bit um, from people whether it's messages emails or conversations like people will say you guys seem to enjoy that type of work like what is it about that work like what makes it so exciting or 
what was the best trip you've been on and so to hear you mention words to that effect about this one was your you know one of the best trips or the best trip that you've been on would you mind just speaking about that what made that trip so special or unique or or great for you um aside from the wonderful people that you're with yep. but was there anything else around that that particular trip <clears throat> i think it was a, a holistic thing of it mate was um when we were going back we were going back into kabul um we were going to be the yeah, the soft unit for Kabul uh, for ISAF you know responding to all the things and and we were hunting the enemy yeah. you know we were actually out there like every the mission I bro yeah. like you know the other jobs I'd done was all SR or whether it be on foot we did a few DAs yeah. <clears throat> uh, but when I was in Kandahar um, in 02 there was a rotation for who was doing the direct action missions gotcha. um, so you you know we'd do three week foot patrol oh, sorry you know me a two week foot patrol um, or OP, and then we do some mobility, and then you come up on the roster for DA, and maybe you'd get one DA. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but in Kabul, bro, our job was to hunt people, um, bad people. Um, so you know, every mission, the planning, the execution was was going out there to find somebody. Yeah. You know, we weren't sitting in the hills. We weren't. Uh, we had drones to do that now. <clears throat> we weren't. Yeah. It was every mission was real, as in. We're going out to arrest somebody or you know whatever detain um you know um so that made it one that was one part of it um, yep. my team my team was just amazing um the personalities the way they wanted to be the best they could be uh, yeah the leadership the junior leader so troop leadership um yeah <clears throat> the uh the guy who was my troop commander is now the current co one of the best leaders i've ever had um our troop staffy, um, another amazing guy. Um, you probably know. Um, I don't know yeah. He's probably one of the best people I've ever met in my life, mate. <coughs> Such a role model. Um, yeah, so just all of that together uh, just made it amazing. And, and we were getting to do things that I used to dream of. And we're now doing them, um, yeah. doing them day in, day out, you know. Um, we were getting to train at some amazing ranges uh, with some amazing people. Uh, the different organizations we got to meet and work alongside, party with. <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing. But like, we put a hungy down, you know, and um, I was there over Christmas and we put hungies down and, yeah, it was, was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Very good yeah. to hear. And, and I love, you know, people might still not be able to um, understand, well, I don't think the general population will, in my opinion or my experience, will probably never grasp what it is that you're saying but um they'll feel what it is that you're saying and, and the spirit of that message of what you're speaking about having the opportunity to do something that you've dreamed about since being a young lad going through that process and training overcoming things fears whatever people want to call them to get to that stage to then be being deployed and applying that stuff of what you've <coughs> been thinking about doing or wanting to do and trying to have a positive impact in a situation that isn't too um isn't looking too good and that to be fair much like a lot of other professions that not too many people are capable of doing mm. and doing that with some of your best mates and best leaders and all that sort of stuff and all the support and all the other units that are a part of that <coughs> is a pretty special special thing to go through all right so that's awesome pup. great to hear and good to hear that you put down the hangi whose idea was it to put down the hangi around christmas time somebody's 
<laughs> somebody's <laughs> idea. But then, you know, I, had to dig, I, I thought we you did would it. have said it was mine. mine. No, not mine, bro. Um, <laughs> digging the hole, bro. Like, we dig it. We, we had a volleyball court. So, dig, dig, put it in the middle of the volleyball court, bro. Is that you right? know, it's, it's all good getting through the sand that we'd brought in, but then you hit the rock. <laughs> you know, bro. And, you know, it's a, a, the theory's awesome. Uh, you know, and then. It's time to put it into practice. You know, and, yeah. You put a certain amount of food in the ground, bro, and, and every bugger from every coalition turns up, <laughs> you know, and in the end you don't get anything. <laughs> you, know, you know, feed thy, feed thy neighbour. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just on, your, yeah, just on your point of people not, you know, not understanding, you know, I've done a lot of work around understanding the warrior mindset. Yeah. You know, bro, and, and yeah, it's why were you in the unit? Why was I in the unit? Why were these people, man? Because we're warriors. You know, for a period, um, you're still doing it today as a my. We're still warriors in a way. Um, and it's a warrior's path, bro, to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's a, a path to be a sports star or a path to be a mum or a doctor. Um, we were just chosen to be those warriors. Um, yeah, so I understand because obviously I've got a lot of friends and now I work in that space of other people. And um, yeah, they don't get it, but I just say to people, you know, it's a, we were chosen to be warriors, and, and that's the way a warrior walks, um, and that's the things a warrior does, like being an All Black or a, a you know Blackburns or whatever uh, in a sporting arena, going to the Olympics. Um, it's no different, really. Beautiful. No different. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing yeah. that, pup. That's yeah, yeah. that's a really great comments, and and we're going to get to <coughs> some of the work that you're doing as well. Because yeah. sorry, I've left that sort <laughs> of the list. The, end. the list yeah, keeps yeah. going. The list is yeah. still going, bro. Sorry, yeah. um, you're stuck yeah. with me for sorry for listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry listeners. <laughs> no, yeah. it's been it's definitely been. I'm really enjoying this, and uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, there's still summer. a fair bit more that, to get through, bro. But we will get to yeah. what it is that you're doing. Okay, no, but that's yeah, a no. good little teaser no, for now, anyway. Yeah. Um. So. What I wanted to ask you is, as well is around, because you've deployed on multiple operations, not only with the Defence Force and your time within the unit, but also um, the private the private sector. <clears throat> and what I wanted to ask you about is, would you be able to walk us through and talk for as long as you like, actually, around, you know, just sort of some of the aspects of discovery of yourself that upon reflection in your mind occurred or in your experience occurred during those multiple deployments and operations, if that makes sense. Yeah, for me, mate, it's probably, yeah, lots of learnings, you know, like you've had. Um, For me, it was when I I left the unit and started contracting, um, I was still in the unit, I was a junior person, you know, hadn't, um, I think I'd got to Lance Corporal before I left, but had no real responsibility and once I started working in Iraq and then went to Triple Canopy, um, early on, I was offered a leadership position and I turned it down because I had a fear um, of being good enough. You know, here were some amazing people, bro, and they were asking me to lead them. And, and again, I had a fear of, of that. Um, I didn't think I was good enough. And, you know, yeah, so it took me a long time to, to grow the confidence, pretty much like doing selection. Um, to to stand up and say one internally and two externally that yes I am good enough to be a leader of these people and um, once I got my head around that and understood the support I had then then I got to thrive in that so yeah just and I've heard it a lot of other people say like you know in the unit bro like you never feel you're good enough um, you know and I yeah, I felt that you know I'm just how am I 
you know, these guys are these guys. My God, they've done all these things. And, yeah. um, you know, um, but it got to a point I had to stand up again like Selection and say, yeah, Roger, I'll, I'll do it because, you know, I can, what can happen when we die, maybe get blown up or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you know, a lot of people don't understand yeah. the weight of that. Yeah. Um, and, and civilians, yeah. I talk in a fair <laughs> context, but, you know, that's a, that's a very different, uh, mindset game changer um, in yep. some ways and um, yeah just that so awesome. yeah getting the getting the courage to finally say yes um, and then thriving in that position you know it was um, because of the people I had around me and, and the background and the teachings I'd had from the unit and other experiences um, you know I found it easy you know it took me ages to get into it but once I did I really enjoyed leadership and uh, that probably allowed me when I come back to the unit uh, when I come back to New Zealand and back into the group um, to progress to that leadership position and be a team leader and um, really thrive in that, that space. Nice. Um, other lessons, bro, is, is honesty. Um, yeah, my second tour back uh, as a team leader, um, yeah, we had a troop commander that I didn't enjoy working for. Uh, very different to my first tour. Uh, sorry, my, my first tour as a patrol commander yeah. um, in the leadership group we had there. and We had a troop commander that I didn't enjoy working for and... Um, I just struggled with his, um, yeah, just the way way he was as an operator. Um, anyway, the guy who's just finished being the CO uh, of the unit, he's out now, but uh, he he was our OC, um, and we were friends outside of work. And um, anyway, one day we'd had a performance review, and um, you know, on ops, you know, just a normal performance review. And he said to me, you know, pup, you're one of the best patrol commanders I've ever worked with, best leaders. I've ever worked with, but when you uh, are dishappy, dis, dis, when you're not happy with a decision or something, you you throw your toys and you're, you're horrible to work with. Um, and I turned around him and said, it's because I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was very clear. But my OC afterwards called me into the office, his office, and, and I trusted this guy implicitly. And this is a lesson I've taken for the rest of my life. I entrusted him um, as a friend and as a leader. Uh, he's another one that is one of the best leaders I've ever, ever worked under, worked with. Um, and he, he just told me the truth, bro, of who I was and how I was. Um, and finally, my ears were open to hear the truth. Um, so, yeah, I had to take that. Um, yeah, it was, it was humbling. <laughs> it was humbling. Um, but I had the courage to go away and look in the mirror um, and assess uh, everything he had said to me. Um, and, and that led to some personal or huge growth for me um, and does to this day uh, just being able to hear his words. Um, and the respect he gave it to me, and going, yeah, Roger, that I, I hear what you're saying, and I need to be better, um, yeah, in that. So yeah, the, you know, who thought that would have come from yeah, yeah. Uh, an operation, but it did. Yeah, yeah, it was hugely, um, hugely eye-opening for me. Um, Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much, Puff. That's um, yep. and and I know there'll be many others. And as we go along, feel free to yep. to share any of those other experiences. But yep. I can see and feel. Yep. Um, the power of however that conversation went with mm. the feedback that you received and the courage that it takes to have those conversations but also the courage that it takes in those in those moments when you're smart enough and when you're capable of being able to receive that and and acknowledge it sooner rather than later like in my case years later <coughs> it's uh it's certainly a powerful thing an enabling thing so i'm really grateful that you would share just a fraction of that with us Pup. thank you brother Welcome. Hey, another one I'd offer is yeah, um, leadership. Yes. You know, yeah. another lesson I had was leadership. And 
like I said, I, I had a dream as a patrol commander and that, that, that group I was with, um, leadership was easy. You know, the team was amazing. The leadership, my, my one-up leadership was amazing. You know, our mission planning with the other team leader that you Mids talked about on his losing all the skin on his feet. He was the other team leader. <coughs> um, you know, we had a great, a great team at, holistically and, and my individual patrol was amazing. So leadership was easy. My next tour, patrol commander again, different team except for one. I had one same guy, very different, yeah. very different experience. And, you know, I did a lot of reflecting on how I was as a leader. Uh, was I different? What was causing this? What was, um, but yeah, just, and these are lessons I've taken ahead again, mate, is I was still me and I was still leading the way I led on that first trip. Yeah. Um, but the personalities, I had to work yeah. a lot harder, bro, to, to, <laughs> to mould these people, not just within the patrol, but uh, within the troop. You know, like I said, the troop commander I didn't get on with. And yeah, um, yeah that, yeah, just so that environment, bro, was a very different tour as in having to work with these things. I had to earn my money, yeah. um, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then point. all that other stuff, that other stuff, having to go and look in the mirror, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was... Um, it was still an amazing trip, but yeah, it said there was um, leadership. So you know, I still have a passion for leadership today, and yeah, yeah. because that opened my eyes to what what the variables look like. Yeah. Um, you know, some days are easy and some days are not. Um, yeah, yeah, that's so powerful, man. That's that's a, yeah. those are really just really great points. I can res resonate and connect with them on many different levels because when you're speaking about, you know, same might be the same environment, you know, sort of. You had one of the same people, but different personalities for the for the most part, and the need to at least what I've been seeing anyway from other people that I admire and respect, and what I try to apply the need to oftentimes if you're the leader, the need for the leader to try to change and adapt to to better facilitate that group of people that you're working with because the dynamics have all of a sudden drastically changed from what they were and how I communicated with a certain group of people or the yep. first group of people or whatever you want to call it to now this group of people might, you know, might go down like a lead balloon yeah. <laughs> as opposed to what I was doing the other time. So yeah, yeah, just, just a lot of takeaways. And I hope that our audience and listeners, I'm sure they will, will take away some of these just little snippets. So I just wanted to add a little two cents to what you're talking about. Is there anything awesome. else? Feel free if there's more, cause I know there'd be more and sorry if I jumped the gun a no. bit earlier. Uh, I love that about the leadership, about the honesty you've spoken about, and that that fear of of feeling like you weren't good enough, but then needing to stand up and go, well, you know what? Yeah, I am. I am capable of doing this. And there's so many great takeaways in there, just in those three things alone. Feel free if there's if there's one or two more that you wanted to touch on as well. I'd say, mate, it, it planted the seed to really understand what living for each day meant. Yeah. You know, that's. Um, that bro it was just and i do you know man i've worked a lot on words and language and communication and i choose not to use words because the way they are but like it frustrates me when i hear and i don't mean that but it frustrates me when i hear people say oh i'm living and you know are you are you your actions are not showing me that you're living and um Good yeah point. so i planted the seed like man we were responding to a lot of suicide attacks and um you know, we were, we were getting exposed to a lot of death and, uh, you know, we went to one attack one day uh, just down the road from, from where we were based and um, an attack on an American, <coughs> excuse me, an American um, 
vehicles as they were leaving the American base got hit by a IED. Anyway, we race down there because we're responding and um, we get out and, and move to the scene. It's all pretty much over, but you know, there's people dead and that around. And um, we come across this young boy, and you know, maybe he was 10 to 12 years old. And, and my medic, um, my team medic, uh, went up and started treating him. And you know, we were doing what we could, and other people are there, obviously. Anyway, we go over, and a couple of our guys could, could speak, uh, you know, the language. Um, anyway, so I went over to my medic and, and said, you know, what's what's up? And he said, oh, he was here with his two um, brothers. And said, oh, you know, where are your brothers now? You know, we'll we'll make sure you get home. And he only had fragments, you know, he had a little yeah. bit of bleeding and fragments all over him, you know, what it looks like. And um, he said, oh, my, my two brothers were next to the vehicle when it blew up, you know, and they were turned to mist. Um, you know, he's this young kid, mate. So me, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't, gratefully, I don't suffer with PTS. Um, but those little things, bro, where we were going to a lot of these things, um, it just planted the seed in, in me. And it's only grown stronger and stronger of how important every day is. Um, truly, truly important. Um, and gratitude and uh, living for self and others. Um, you know, that, so, yeah, that was another learning I took from those, or that, that trip especially. And just the exposure to that and um, yeah just life what is life and the importance of life and living our best life uh, and honesty you know it all come together <coughs> if you can't be honest with yourself then you can't be honest with others and if you're not being honest with yourself or others you're not living you know it's just a bullshit facade of <laughs> of what you what you the narrative you're telling and um, yeah so that was that was cool and uh, it's been cool to reflect on that stuff in my journey post all of that as well yeah beautiful man yeah, 100% mm. what powerful experiences that you've just shared there and very you know very graphic and visual for people that will take the time to listen to this but also hopefully they can take away some of just some of the key learnings around that you know being that honest with yourself the the need to live and actually like really live as mm. well as you can um, for not just yourself but for others and continue to serve others in a, in a meaningful way overcoming that fear and, and those sorts of things and taking that feedback and being able to you know continually strive to progress and move forward from that it's yeah it's brilliant man I'm, I'm really enjoying this time and appreciate summer, you summer. appreciate you you know giving me so much of your giving us so much mm. of your time to be able to be welcome here. it's nice to be able to communicate <laughs> yeah 100% yeah. I I yeah. um I'm, gonna pro I'm probably going to jump back to a couple of the, the earlier stories that you mentioned earlier about uh, stuff not being nailed down later on because yep. I, I have a couple of other thoughts awesome. that come to mind in there. But um, <laughs> I'm going to move to this next question. This And this might be, well, it probably won't be the last one around, uh, maybe from a more operational perspective, but from, from the point of um, the tasks, the, the multiple jobs that you've been on over the years, the experiences that you've had and the interactions with people, the things that you've seen and things that you've been involved with, was there, how do you, how did you cope with, um, so, and I wanna approach this as well as I can, being in situations where, have you been in, in any of the situations where sadly members of your team or members within, within your particular deployment have passed away? No, I was lucky, mate, that um, all the trips I've done, uh, 
yeah, nobody nobody got hurt. One guy fell off a a, a wall and, and hurt his ankle. Um, you know, chasing some enemy. <coughs> cool, that was a cool job. Um, no touch wood, mate. Um, yeah, but I, I will tell the story that um, yeah, like Dougie Grant. Um, yeah, so I was gonna ask yeah, you about Dougie. Yeah, so please do. Yeah, I, I knew Dougie quite well. I'd known him from one battalion and, um, you know, he'd left the unit and, and gone to engineers and he'd come back and um, I spoke to them the day, I spoke to him uh, for a good a couple of hours the day before he left, um, or a couple of days before he left. And yeah, so anyway, when, when Dougie died, um, I just remember the funeral, um, yeah, and, and just crying and crying and crying. We were, you know, obviously in uniform at the funeral ceremony. Um, yeah, and just that, knowing he was such a good person and, you know, he was a good operator. I mean, Dougie mm. was a bloody good operator. Um, yeah, so that, just the emotion I felt um, within that. And, and I've known other people that have died in, in my contracting time, you know, weren't in my team. But, yeah. you know, I know people that had, that had passed away. And um, But again, understanding as warriors, you know, that it's part of that part journey. Of, yeah, yeah it, it is part of it. doesn't make it easier. Um, I understand that we are doing, you know, what we've been designed to do, and yeah. uh, inherent risk comes from doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah funny story. Yeah, yeah. I was going <coughs> to ask Sorry. you if you share some stuff about uh, Dougie in particular. Sort of similar, I guess, to, to John McNutt. But yeah, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, all good. Um, I think it was Dougie on their cycle. Um, it's again a story I got told <laughs> on their cycle. Now doing combat survival, and the cop had let the dog go after them. Um, and I, I think it was either Dougie or somebody else, but I got told it was him who'd caught it and tied it up. <laughs> the dog, because it was off lead. Um, yeah, bro, they, they caught it and, and tied it up. Um, but another one, when um, I'd just been badged and we we're still at Hobby, um, Dougie had those big uh, Belgian um, husky dogs, you know. Oh, right, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, anyway, he was in the housing area. Anyway, one day he comes into barracks and, and um, me and we're in the rec room and, and he comes in he's got this plastic bag and he'd brought it in for us to hide oh. <laughs> hey boys boys i need you to so yeah that was uh that was that um, and another time we had a, a house party at his place uh and we went around and um he had a a climbing rope strung out across his backyard that the dogs run on you know they had hooked up to so they could run um anyway it was one of the <laughs> we're, like, we're like, hey, Dougie, is that like one of the, you know, one of the thing rays? Hey. Hey, hey. It was a theme with Dougie was, uh, you know, if, um, um, yeah, yeah. And another, another funny story is we had, well, there was an SSM at the time um, and it told Dougie to organise the fast roping. You know, helicopters are coming on Monday, you know, whatever, Wednesday, whatever it was. Make sure the fast roping's all set up. And um, so Dougie's got all the equipment out, you know, all the rope bags for gloves and all the stuff that you'd need for that. And, yeah, and the SSM comes out and it's like, oh, what time's those helicopters turning up? And Dougie's like, what? <laughs> what time are those helicopters turning up? I told you to organise the fast roping. <laughs> Dougie had no idea he had organised the helicopters. As well, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just yeah, sort of the ropes and stuff. SSM's job, bro, you know, or somebody's job. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not a corporal's job to, <laughs> to organise these helicopters. Yeah. 
So, was that yeah. SSM pulling his leg or was he, was no, he serious? Uh, you know what some of them are like, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, yeah, no, funny. Fantastic. But no, he was a, an amazing guy. And, and, and I said back in the day, he was an amazing soldier. And um, yeah, another guy that was a privilege to know and you know, to have worked alongside. Man, yeah, and thank you for sharing that. Like, I, I never had the privilege or opportunity or honour to get to know Dougie. Um, uh, he was obviously already in the unit during my cycle and stuff. I'd heard of him, but I knew of some of the guys that flew back. Well, I knew some of the guys by then that flew back from 22 to come be back here for his, his funeral and stuff like that. And uh, he was always spoken about with just absolute respect um, for the type of person and man that he was uh, and is so in the way that he's always been and going to be remembered so thank you for sharing some of those uh, experiences and memories about Dougie and um, yeah it's great that you didn't have that um, didn't have to have those moments on, on the same where we're lost we, we, we were fortunate enough to not lose guys in our team or on our task or on our patrol apart from maybe a dodgy ankle now yeah. from one of the guys so thank you for sharing that um what i want to head into now with you pup is <coughs> you then from there so you've been back in the unit for a while and then you left in 2012 around early 2012 and you headed off to um thailand so because in amongst that with your time coming back into the unit went on multiple deployments and things like that and i think your last deployment might have been between 2010 into 2011 and then left in early 2012 and you've headed to thailand as the vice president of operations for an outdoor company can you talk us through that and what that was all about and, and if you're able to talk about the company or name the company that'd be great but just sort of how that came about and what you were doing what you've been doing there or what you were doing at that time mate there was a an awesome american guy who worked for surefire michael maltz right. um who would come to the unit every now and then and um you know, just introduce all the new lights and everything. And um, while I was in R&D, I'd done some work with um, the new X400 had come out um, and I'd spent some time in R&D um, in the unit and um, helped work with them in Safari Land to create the first holster. Um, well, not I didn't, but to, to help. And we trialled it, New Zealand trialled the first X400 oh, yeah. Safari Land holster. Um, but I, so I got to know him really well and become yep. friends. Um, and every time he was in New Zealand, everybody would go out in the piss with him, and you know, give out free lights. And um, <laughs> yeah, him and him and I were out together on um, out having a drink, and um, you know, he said, "Oh, what, what's your future plans?" Out of the blue, bro, um, said, "Oh, what are your future plans?" And um, he knew I had a Thai partner. I'd had a Thai girlfriend for eight years, or we'd been together for eight years. Um, and I said, "Oh, you know, I haven't a thing." And he said, "Oh, I've got a mate in Thailand. If you want a job, I'll sort it out for you." Um, it's like, hey, roger that, bro. You know, so um, I was getting out. Um, so that was it. So I head off to Thailand. Um, yeah, and interviewed for a job with, it's called Tank Store, was a, uh, an outdoor, they have six outdoor shops. Yeah, right. Um, High-end outdoor gear <coughs> um, from around the world. Um, and the owners, um, the, the male owner of the company was a member of the royal family from King Number no. 5. Wow. Um, so they have obviously, you know, kings they've had over time. Um, so he was a prince in, in the royal family of Far that destiny. Um, and his wife, uh, wife Oak, who ran the company, was amazing. Amazing people. And um, 
yeah, so they just brought me on as this title of Vice President of Operations. But what I was doing was, yeah, I was doing all, all a good percentage of their research and development on new yeah. products, um, liaising with companies around the world um, on things that they wanted to bring in and whether yeah. I thought they would suit. Um, I was doing all the staff training because there's not a very big outdoor culture in Thailand. So the staff weren't very au fait with how you'd use a camp chair or a cooker or yeah, a tent. Right. Or, yeah, so... <laughs> I was taking them into jungle for a week at a time and, and we'd go out and, uh, yeah, we'd, I'd just train them, do some leadership stuff and, yeah. you know, um, but also, yeah, just take all the products um, and yeah. just use them. Um, yeah, so... And were they that products was, that that the company that you were with was making or that you that they were importing from other... Imported, bro, yeah. So they gotcha. mostly mostly foreign, high-end, Cedar Summit, lower boots, wow. uh, mystery ranch packs... Yeah, all the oh, top right. level. Yeah, yeah. Um, P. Mai, who was the the uh, owner of the company, yeah, he was into into good stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, top end knives, um, yeah, camping gear, you know, oh, all right. the best. Awesome. Um, yeah, that was cool. And also for him, I was running shooting courses. Yep. So on the weekends, I was running rifle, pistol, um, low light uh, shooting courses for civilians. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it was much like America, just go to the range and shoot your guns as much as you wanted to. Um, he was also in the, I don't still to this day understand how this system fully works, but they um, they had a counter-terrorist command. Um, and for some reason, that command had its own team of uh, a troop of assaulters and a, and a team of snipers. Um, but they also had their own special forces unit that yeah, did right. that, had the SEALs that did that they had a police unit um but anyway so i was doing training for them so our car drive instructors for these city shooting courses yeah were all these counter-terrorist command guys um wow so yeah we we're just thing and so and that led to me doing training for them and i ran you know courses night vision med shooting uh, patrol procedures um courses for them yeah and how long were you doing that for three years yeah three years yeah, yeah three years over there yeah I was there during the the military crew, which is interesting. I carried a pistol for two years, yep. covert, yeah, either in a fanny pack or in, you know a covert holster, and it was an interesting experience going to work every day past a coup and people oh, yeah. dying in the street, and you know just yeah, it was again took all my military learning and all of that. Yeah, here I am going to work every day. Yeah, head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah, awareness that if something happened, I was going to go down fighting. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, it was also an interesting time. Man, I bet. Yeah. And mm. um, so this part here, which I didn't ask you about. So are you, are you still with your partner now? Is it, no. Right? So um, I left as, as soon as I got over there, we broke up. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It, hey, I have par for the course, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was it was interesting. Okay. Uh, but stayed there, obviously. Because you had been yeah. together for a while. Eight years. Yeah, is, eight, is eight a... years. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't meant okay. to be. No, um, fair enough. Yeah, and, and Thailand, as anyone who's been there knows, it's, you know, every day was Friday for me if I wanted it to be. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, dealt with a few things there and, yeah, gotcha. drank some beer and <laughs> did, some, did some cool things. Yeah, yeah sounds like it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I won't delve too much into into that with you um, on that there, so thank you for, for sharing that information. Tank Store, you mentioned Tank that. Store, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, um, good people. Oh, that's good, good to good to hear too. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask because there's some some other information. You know, you, you spoke about earlier 
whilst you were with Triple Canopy, you were working with ex-Delta guys who had all been part of or involved in Black Hawk Down. What was that? Because I know that they've introduced you or they introduced you to some stuff in around understanding and combat physiology and stuff I think you mentioned. Um, would you mind talking us through, I guess, what your what they were like first, those guys there um, that had been involved in Black Hawk Down? What was your take on you know, their personality, their, their just the types of people that they are or that you observe them to be? And how did you start to get introduced or how did that introduction to combat physiology and all that sort of stuff start to happen? Was that through you asking questions or through them just openly sharing information and you just taking it in and delving more into it? Yeah, awesome, bro. It's, um, to me, them as people, they were just real. You know, like I talked about finding my own honesty and that, and, and that was important to them and their unit, pure honesty, you know, and, and to be the best was, was real. It wasn't, you know, as you know, in units you've been in and I've been in, and, you know, yeah, there's a good percentage are being real and some are not. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Bill, I think Bill talked about that from memory. Um, but these guys, or the guys I worked with from that Black Hawk down, they were real, bro, and everything was precise. Mm. Everything, you know, the way we did things like... Um, I remember one day I used to before we got in the vehicles to, to head out on a mission um, I would I would practice my transition to pistol still got it yeah. hey um, <laughs> you know I would I would do that anyway my my uh, boss um, the project manager come over to me one day and said oh you need to stop doing that and I said oh why he said oh you're, you're pulling your, your pistol out um yeah, it's just this, if you, there wasn't a target there, yeah, you didn't do that. Gotcha. Which to me was a different, I was aware of my skill and yeah. you know, I wasn't going to put my finger on the trigger. And But that was the level that they, they operated at. So I was like, roger that, you know, I took the, took the yep. learning of that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the standard, bro, was, was high. You know, the standard to do the mission to the best of your ability was higher than I'd seen before, yep. um, even in my time in the unit. Yeah, um, right. And everybody everybody rose to that challenge and um, that made an awesome environment um, of team. Um, I had the cool experience one day to uh, sit down with my project manager um, and he took me through Black Hawk Down as it happened off the movie. Right. Yeah, and just pointed out what was real and what was not. Um, so that was awesome, bro. That was just, you know, that was learning for me and, and how it went and understanding that those key characters in that movie from the Delta side, yeah. there's multiple people, you know, like, it wasn't just that singular guy, yeah, yeah. different guys. Um, but in our company, bro, we're also those guys off that movie that were the key, that, you know, yeah. like the yeah guys doing solo stuff and all that were, worked for Triple Canopy. Mm. So I got to meet them and one guy was called Doctor, uh, AKA Doctor Death and, um, mm. you know, uh, just amazing, amazing people. But um, yeah, just of character, of, of real truth uh, and of standards that are, are excellent. Um, yeah, and then every day I had to go to work with that company trying to be the best I could be because that was the standard. There was no options. I saw guys get sent home. Gotcha. Yeah, guys got sent home. On my course to go to Triple Canopy, bro, we had a we were doing um, some stuff at a race course, just driving around a, um, a car park. Yep. This American guy had his feet up on the – he was in the passenger seat. We weren't doing an iteration at that time. He had his feet up on the dashboard. One of the instructors saw him, bro. Yeah, every, on the radio, everybody stopped gone binned him binned him bro wow. good dude good good operator yeah it's not what you do bro you don't 
whether you're doing put your a feet up on the dashboard. Whether you're doing a task or not. Yeah. It's not the standard. Gone. <laughs> so it was awesome to see. Awesome. So yeah, yeah, that was them. And again, we had a lot of opportunity to sit around and talk, um, you know, with these guys, and um, especially Gary or, or Greedy, who was my my project manager. Um, right. Yeah, and just the more we talked and the training we did, there was a difference to it. You know, there's a different understanding of why we did this and why we did that. And it, as I learned, you know, obviously after Black Hawk Down, there was a lot of, uh, they did a lot of reflection and learning from that. And yeah, just the understanding of the psychology of why, why we do what we do and why the yeah. brain does what it does. And, and you know, um, so yeah, I could see a difference in the way they were doing things and that yep. made me curious. Um, you gotcha. know, I've been curious all my life. <coughs> so in that curiosity, bro, just, Hey, why do you do that? And why do you do this? And you know, why do you turn like that? Or why is this important? And why do you carry that there? And yeah, just that opened up the Pandora's box of you know what they'd been exposed to in the psychology um, or combat psychology space. And um, yeah, again, that just you know, I have a tendency, bro, to when I get passionate about something, I dive feet first and yeah. and, and become a bit tunnel visioned, um, trying to learn that that thing, and, and that become that for me. And as it did, it led into my you know wanting to understand PTS. Uh, and then from my understanding or learning, continue to learn about PTS. How do I help people? You know, when I come back to New Zealand, it was how do we be better? How do I be better? How do I not get hurt? Um, you know, how do I help the team be better? And then from that was, well, what about people who are hurt? How do we how do we help them? Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome, mate. And it's so cool to hear and to have, you know, when you find that, that thing that you're passionate about, all those things that you're passionate about, and it really does, it gives, or well, I find anyway, it gives that just a greater sense of value and meaning <laughs> and drive again to to be able to get into stuff. And this, you know, being having the opportunity, I'm, I'm extremely privileged to be able to sit and have conversations with people like yourself and many others as well from different walks of life and have an opportunity to connect with people like you to, who openly and are willing to share aspects of, of your life because it's, you know, you come from a, an environment that is... Um, highly secretive and for good reason and uh and it's not a natural thing for people like yourself to to come on and to share a bit about themselves but the power that's there within it i feel anyway um can connect and speak to so many different people whether they've served in the unit or not it just so happens that there's a number of veterans um and current serving members that have really taken a lot away from people like yourselves messages and stuff and i know they've all from from this one today as well so thanks again can, can i just offer on that bro it's the Please. you know and, and any of the brothers sisters that are listening to this from the unit um in psychology we know and, and me and my partner now are reading some some good books on trauma you know as we do and mm. you know one of the key things bro is is and this has been a, a thing of mine for a long time is within this space whether it be trauma or not you sharing your story with people of like-minded who have been there, like you nod when I talk, mm. and I nod when you talk because we've been there and we understand truly. You know, if you go to a counsellor, unless they've done what you've done, whatever that is, yep. if they haven't been a firefighter or a paramedic or a doctor, mm. or you know, you can talk about trauma, um, but it's not known. But when you talk to a peer or peer group with that understanding and people nod, it's in the literature. It you know that they've shown the brain it changes it relaxes it allows those things to come out so yeah to all my brothers and sisters it's not about being secretive it's not about 
upholding this thing of the unit. Like my missions are long gone. The war is so different now to what it was when I was there. Um, you know that the message is now bigger. It's how do we share what we've learnt with all these other people? You know, and that's. You know, I don't need to tell you about secret missions I did, but I'll yeah. tell you about those experiences I took and learnt and and where they've led me to and the people that that's helped. You know, by sharing my story, by being a listener. You know, to having people talk to me about their traumas and, and me to a percentage understanding, you know, and being able to n to actually nod with real love, araha, you know, um, opposed to a counsellor who, I've read the book, and the book was awesome. However, I don't, um, yeah, so I'd just say that to our people, mate. Yeah, it's it's important. Beautiful, mate. Yeah, you, don't know who you'll, you don't know who you'll reach. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Might be one person. Yeah. Beautiful, mate. And, I, you know, just on that too, I love, you know, yeah, we don't need to delve into the, the secret missions and all the, you know, the real OPSEC type stuff of, of there. And, you know, depending on, I guess, and I get where, where the unit is coming from, you know, it's not something that they're trying to shine a light on. It's not something that I'm trying to shine a light on the unit either. Um, and when people's initials or nicknames and stuff are used, it's like, you know, only those that are within the unit will know who who those people are. Yeah. Like we've mentioned some of the nicknames, or you've mentioned a first name. Like how many are there? Like good luck to those that are not part of the unit to try to figure out who it is that we're talking about. Or you know, like, and that's not to be disrespectful to those guys. Like they know who they are, and the operators, current and and past or former members, know who those people are. But. Um, the names are definitely not mentioned or the nicknames and initials aren't mentioned so that you know people can then discover who they are um but um i just appreciate your openness and the honesty comes through um and you know e each person i'm gonna have another former member from the unit come on the podcast later this week on wednesday um and his his way of sharing some of the information may be very different and that's 100 percent cool um yeah. but what i'm really enjoying here is is spending time with Greg Johnson and hearing how you communicate, hearing your experiences and the things that you've done and the way that you're delivering it made, in my opinion, is beautiful. So appreciate it. Um, Again, great, grateful to be heard because <laughs> that's important as well. Eh? Yeah, 100%. Yep. And if I could just toe talk all what you just said, bro, is, is you know, again, having studied psychology since 2007 and, and understanding that we are very different, even in the unit, you know, like yeah. there's the, I want to be secretive and and for me, I want to share my message because it's important for people to hear, you know, and, and some people in that unit have done some amazing things that will never be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, and, and that's good for some people, but, you know, there's some people who've done amazing things and they deserve, you know, just for me to say, not their names, but thank you to those people. You know, thank you for all the things they've done that haven't been awarded with a medal yeah. uh, or a thank you. Um, yeah. But I'd also say from my heart to those people that have role modelled for me both the good and the not good, because <laughs> um, there's power in all of that. Oh, eh? yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, thank you to to you people. Man, yeah. that's side note. Sorry. Super nice. No, that's beautiful, yeah. man. And uh, we'll probably come back to that as we near the end of this. But I've still got, you know, some more stuff. Far away. Go through. With Far you. away. Um, and I love. So you've spoken about your your passionate about that pts space and learning about how to how do we stop our people getting hurt on ops and and how we can pay that forward or how we're how you can use 
the lived experiences that you've had and look to try to pay that forward and help whether that's the next generation whether it's current serving members whether they're police paramedics all that sort of thing as you've touched on and i want to sort of delve into that um so i'm going to jump forward to one part and then i'm going to come back to the outdoors stuff but you you returned you came back to nz um in 2015 and then in 2016 went back to school as you put it mm-hmm. um and went to the nelson marlborough institute of technology to upskill going through the outdoor stuff um, outdoor activities so you did a whole bunch of white water sea kayaking rock climbing tramping and then uh, your aim was to go into work as an outward bound instructor in nz and see how they learn or see learn and see how they use nature to help people grow and, and go through those things um, and then coming back, you've spoken about trying to stop or limit our exposure to war and later how we could help our emergency first responders who also face trauma every day. So tying that in, I guess, with the outdoor stuff that you've done, the, the fact that you mentioned you've been studying psychology since 2007, was it, did you say? Yeah. And then putting all of that into play and working with and this might sort of be moving into what it is or some of the work that you're doing now but there's still another piece which i want to get to can you just talk about how the how you found having that combination of all that information and what sort of things you're seeing how it's been implemented particularly in that first emergency first responder space um what sort of things have you been i guess fortunate enough i'm pretty sure is the term that you would use what sort of things have you been fortunate enough to be involved in and trying to pay that forward and trying to help those people in that space, if that makes sense? Mate, I would say it's it's hard. It's um, That space is hard because people don't, and I, you know, I don't know if you've seen, there was like six articles on stuff around police mental wellness. I've um, seen some, just, but I haven't, I haven't been giving a lot of time and attention to it, but I do know that there's significant challenges in that space as well as the... Uh, the other first line frontline responders and the and the medics and that sort of stuff paramedics in particular yeah so the fire service there was an article the other day around things that they are you know either not getting help with or what are they getting exposed to yeah i, I don't know if you know i think it was 10 years or more so that they signed a um a thing of understanding with the um, uh, ambulance that they would go to medical emergencies and, and in all my research that. Yeah, and all my research and people I've talked to, like I've talked to the head psych of St. John's, Adele Saunders, beautiful lady. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the firefighters are a career, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them didn't sign up to go to suicides or cardiac arrests. or um, So as you and I know as warriors, bro, we have a mindset like, yeah, I'm probably not the best mother figure. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I am now because I've developed... You know, I've grown a lot, yeah, yeah. but back, back then I wasn't, you know, I was, I was a soldier, bro, you know, I transitioned to rifle to pistol was my, my aim. Yeah. Yeah, to be a good leader was yeah. my aim. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but understanding, so, you know, if, that, if you're not wired to be going to medical emergencies, and now you're constantly getting, like one of the stories the other day on stuff with the fire service is a guy in his first year went to three suicides in one day. Yeah, bro, if you're not wired, yeah. You know, there's. I could talk about the emotional states of the brain, and but if you're not, if that's not your, the way you are put together, then those things can hurt you. Yeah. And we know over stress and PTS that over time that can build up. Whether you think you're okay now, um, in time that stuff can blow up. And yeah. if you're already not pre, 
wired to accept that as a thing, yep. um, as us warriors are, uh, then it would hurt you. So, yeah, just it's hard that a lot of these, I don't know if you've seen the fire service ones, are all like, oh, yeah, but we're doing this and we're doing that. and But the reality that I've seen or not seen is that stuff's not happening. Like uh, Mike King gave his, his medal back because they're not yeah. doing enough in the mental health space. I saw that too, um, yeah. Well, Dale Saunders, the head psycho St. John's, said to us, to the program we're, we're trying to organise now, you know, I'll put 5,000 through, um, but we can't find the, you know, we've got to find funding because they don't get a lot of money. So money's a huge issue. Yeah. Um, also, an understanding, bro, in New Zealand, we've got this. Uh, also, my partner's, um, she she's a former athlete, um, run, at, run at world level, and um She's just finished a course last year with Stacey Sims, one of the leading woman researchers, and I don't know if you've seen all that stuff and understanding women in their period and, and optimising that for performance. And anyway, it's, it used to cause all these red S's a thing where women get hurt by by under-eating and all these things and destroys their hormones and, can, and hurt them in, in future life. But anyway, she they just put out an article on stuff yesterday about high-performance sport and they're offering all these programs with pure understanding of women and how women need to be supported and they're, they're not doing it uh, um, so it's the same in this mental health space I see I see all these people crying out I see all these articles on stuff I've, I've talked to so many people at the highest of levels and and I don't I see a real lack of action back to my in New Zealand so about the sports news sorry I, I no, ramble right. a lot that sports New Zealand piece is it's really hard to show New Zealand seems to need all the science and proof that nature in my realm will help you uh, in, in America mate if you're a veteran it's free to go to Outward Bound you know but I helped um, I don't know if you know um, the, the people that headed up No Duff Charity um, here in NZ? yeah no Woody Woody okay yeah Anyway, he was one of the founding, um, him and I concepted a, a course at Outward Bound years ago, first one run in New Zealand uh, for veterans, um, and, and he got a whole lot of money and all of that. They've never run another one, but you know, we had to find money to, to support to these people. Support yeah, right. Um, you know, again, there's, there is so much science, but unless it's out in New Zealand, like New Zealand seems to be very timid by, you know, oh, why do you think this works? Should I, I I know it works intrinsically because I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. But yeah. I don't have the MRI scans or the, yeah. you know, um, you can't show somebody's better. Like that's time, you know. You don't have unless you're doing a long, you know, um, a longevity study or a longitudinal study. Like you know, you can't show that doing this week trip in the nature is going to help you long term. Like yeah. you know, we just don't have that time to show that, um, you know. I'm all about, I don't know if you've read Stanley McChrystal's books, you know, he was the general, um, I haven't. Uh, yeah, my share of the task and, and listeners, I'd say, read these books. My share of the task was his first book, but then he talked about, he changed the whole concept of special operations uh, and created this narrative called Team of Teams, um, which is another book, but it just talks about taking all these teams and for him it was SEAL Team 6 and Delta and, and some of those other agencies, CIA, you know, NSA and understanding that they all had their culture and they were all very different yep. but to be effective they needed to work together um, so in this space it's my passion bro that we as a collective become a team of teams like me knowing you you knowing me me knowing someone else is yeah. 
as how do we help people as a team because I understand that my my nature modality of um, my my modality of nature is not for everybody yeah but is for a lot my partner's training at the moment to use horses for therapy um, with a good friend of ours bro and and she's been working with school kids and the effect it's having on them but I'm all about modalities bro if you need uh, and again in my journey listening to a delta guy with PTS seven things for him to find out what worked yeah right. seven different yeah. things he went to yeah. completely different meditation but electric things on your brain to <laughs> you know um, all of that to find a, a modality that worked for him so yeah I just want to say hey here's one modality if this works for you, then then come and try. If it's horses, awesome. If it's meditation, awesome. If it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, so for me, it's just wanting to create this team of people that we've got on call to say, if somebody needs help, um, then we've got a way to help, you yeah. know, and we can explore how to do that um, for them. You know, that's, that's important because people, and, but in New Zealand, we're so insular, bro. We're so, you know, Veterans Affairs, give me some money. I'm reaching out now. If, you, yeah. if you're from Veterans Affairs, hear me. Give me some money and, and give us a chance to just create a break for people. You know? Yeah. Man, that, that, so much power in what you've just mentioned there and, and a lot of crossover. That The team of teams thing that you've just mentioned, I've been fortunate enough, well, Willie Apiata VC is working on and has been developing a program. Hopefully I'm not giving away stuff here, but I don't think I am, but he's... He's already run a pilot program involving horses. So to hear yeah. that your partner's doing that, it's there's there's an opportunity. It sounds to me like there's an opportunity to connect and sort of work together or do whatever, you know, leverage connections and build, like you said, build those connections and friendships and with the intents and the ability to be able to pay it forward, which is what both sides are doing. Um, you mentioned about whether it's meditation or whether it's cold water therapy. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a guy who I'm lucky enough to have uh, as a guest on the podcast later on this week, Ryan Gilbert, who runs that forge stuff down in the South Island. Um, I don't know a lot about him. I was sort of introduced to him through Dion Jensen, yep. um, the Lion Academy and, and uh, the good news. He talks about the good news about PTSD and all that sort of stuff. But just some incredible people. I love what you've mentioned about that opportunity to be able to connect with people. Um, Veteran Affairs would be another great place and and opportunity to connect with but also the no duff thing that you spoke about as well sounds really awesome i'll um connect you to yeah rebecca nelson um navy lady yeah, who right. set up that but her story is amazing somebody to get on bro awesome um, what she has done and is doing for the veteran community and emergency services yeah uh, amazing and yeah it's, she's somebody i've talked to quite a bit and she's Brilliant. a shining light in the team she's bringing together and what they're doing um through necessity you know yeah, not yeah. originally not getting a lot of support but now getting getting support but just a, a woman who chose to do the right thing and yeah power man the power of that um, that's awesome. yeah, spectacular yeah brilliant um, yeah definitely i'll get i'll get her contacts yeah. from you after yeah. after this that'd be cool yeah. and that's so, just expanding the team yeah you know, the more people we have that we can reach out to or send people to or get people from yeah um yeah brilliant yeah. mate Bloody, powerful. just just awesome. Yeah, powerful, all right. Yeah. And um, what I wanted to ask for you, because going back to school, and when I read that, it, it put a smile on my face as well. Yeah. The, the words that you used. What was that? It just shows, it's a, it's a real sign for me anyway, of somebody that's willing to put themselves out there. It's not an easy thing to go, but how old are you at, at this stage of your life? How uh, was it? How many years? 49 in November. 49 in November. 
And yeah. so, you know, it's not a, and that's only a few years ago, four, six years ago, thereabouts. Yep. Of you going back. It's not one of the, I guess, or I would imagine it's, it's potentially not one of the most comfortable things to do when you think about universities or schools and that younger generation coming through. But a real testament, I just want to mention to your growth and ability to be able to be planning and looking ahead and your reasons for wanting to do that. And again, coming back to your, you know, you're passionate and driven to want to do this. So you're going to go through and, and learn more and stuff like what Bill's spoken about, or you haven't failed, you, you, you quit. You know, if you're looking at the things, you know, you keep going, keep reapplying, yep. keep doing that test again. So um, with regards to these, what was that whole environment like for you going back to school? Obviously, you're passionate and driven about it. Was it an easy decision? Was it hard? I'll tell you the decision. I'd, I'd come home from Thailand um, and not a lot of jobs in New Zealand for a breacher. You know, not a lot of jobs for... <laughs> whatever you want to define a unit member as um not a lot of those jobs bro not a lot of shooting courses getting run on the weekends yeah. uh, for pup johnson to be running um so i applied for a job at customs um and got to the last interview processes um it was a new job um anyway missed out because i didn't have a technical uh, skill you know yeah, didn't right. have that side of the the game um so I was lost. No, I mean, it wasn't lost, bro. You know, I was just marking time, obviously, left, right, left, right, mm -hmm. uh, waiting for, you know, whatever was next. Um, and I don't know if you've heard a guy, Nathan Fave, is a venture racer, six-time world champion. Oh, wow. No, I haven't. Yeah. Anyway, so I was reading his book, um, Awesome Read, and he had worked it outward bound. So, bro, I was just like, man, I'm going to email him. So I finished his book, email, bro, nathanfave.com whatever it was, emailed him, said, hey, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, you worked it out with Bound, I want to work it out with Bound, can you give me some advice, please? Yeah. Yeah, grateful, Greg. Um, and he emailed me back that next day. Awesome. Said, do this, do this, uh, ring these people, go back to the school for a year. Um, yeah, so gave me this huge email, mate, of, of awesome. what to do. Yeah. yeah, we're now friends and I work for him and he runs one of the biggest, or the biggest women's adventure race in the world, Spring oh, Challenge. Wow. Um, and I've worked for him for the last five or six years on those races, yeah. That's and anyway, awesome. yeah, so he said, go back to school. So this was a, a Monday, I think, bro, and this course started on a Wednesday. So he gave me the phone number, I ring up, yeah. say, hey, I'm this dude, you know, I want to do your course. And they're like, oh, you know, come in for an interview. And obviously I turn up and they're like, oh, what's your background? I said, oh, this is who I am. And, yeah. oh, you know, sweet. And then as long as you got the money and pay the bill, bro, you're, yeah. you're good to go. <laughs> Um, so, I, yeah, I, I turn up on this course and, and, you know, the instructors all know who I am, you know, this guy from, from the SAS and, and that. And um, it was awesome, bro. I had such a such an amazing year. I was a father uh, to these 20 kids. <laughs> um, you know, bro, I did my share of counselling. You know, I, I did some cool trips with young people. I just was young at heart doing adventures on the weekend with young 20-year-olds. Um yeah, it was cool, bro, and, and I was lucky, eh, like, I didn't do, I was just talking to my partner the other day about this, but I didn't know the testing, you know, they were just like, hey, oh, you need to go and do this other thing, and we were rafting, and, and it was pissing down with rain one day, and, and the raft guides were, I was out helping put the rafts on, the, you know, you stack them four yeah. or five high on a trailer, bro, and, and the, the staff, the instructors, you know, hey, Greg, just come and sit in the van. <laughs> Yeah, sit in the van. You done your work. You done your work. You know. <laughs> uh, 
It was, yeah, I was, I was lucky, bro. I was extremely lucky. And, you know, we it got to, I think, the tramping terminal where you've got to go and guide a tramp and, and do all this interpret the bush and all that. And, uh, you know, this is on Monday for me. And I get a phone call on Friday from one of the instructors. Hey, uh, you're not going tramping now. I need you to go sea kayaking to keep an eye on these other people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've got my terminal test to do. So, oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I, I, right off, off kayaking I went. And yeah, that was a real theme, yeah, through my whole course. And, Wow. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. Like I said, to be 20 kids and a funny story where we had one boy, awesome dude, who was, was quite a hard hard nut. And, um, you know, we're skiing. Um, we're skiing one day and we get on the chairlift, him and I. We're friends, get on the chairlift. And he goes, hey, uh, quite a few other people come to you and ask for you for advice in that, eh? I was <laughs> like, yep. He goes, oh. I said, do you need some? He goes, no, no, no. No, I'm good, bro. I'm good. And a little bit further up, eh, bro? Oh, I'm seeing this girl. <laughs> bro. <laughs> okay, bro. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I took, yeah, it was, you know, like seven months into this course. And um, yeah, I sat on the chairlift and for the rest of the day or skiing and, yeah, talking about this. And it was awesome, bro. It was just amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it and, and obviously got what I needed out of it. And, um, yeah, and then got a job as a kayak guide over summer before outward bound selection. Right. Um, so I got to work in the Able Tasman, which is where I am now, and um, yeah, just kayaking and, and multi-day trips and, and people around the world. You know, it was pre-COVID. Yeah, um, had some amazing clients from 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 everywhere, and just to That's go on awesome. a journey with them. Yeah, and and that just you know, side note to that's where I, I had a fireman from Australia. Um, he'd been a firefighter for thirty years, and um, he was now in the training space, ten years in the training space. Yeah, um, and him and I talked a lot about mental health stuff um anyway it's like the one morning bro multi-day trip um and it was like eight o'clock in the morning and he hadn't got up and i said to his wife i said oh where's your where's your husband he said oh he's still asleep he hasn't done this for 30 years yeah right so just being in nature bro you know allowing himself to to be calm and in in conversation and just to quiet the amygdala down a little bit yeah he got to have a sleep and it was awesome powerful yeah it just reaffirmed reaffirmed what i what i'd learned or what i knew about nature and and giving people that space to, to breathe yeah yeah the impact it can have a eh? positive impact it can have uh, aye, bro. and whereabouts what's the name of the company that you're working with for uh, for now able tasman kayaks able tasman kayaks awesome yeah. name. And yeah that's so cool to hear and can i just ask about that Back at school, the Nelson Melbourne Institute of Technology, is that the only place in New Zealand if people if there were people that wanted to do it that they would need to go to or No, there's a um, different course on that. It's a you know, normally a two year program, but I did gotcha. a year. That was adventure tourism. Gotcha. Uh, there's a course in uh, the West Coast, Greymouth, um, which they train more as instructors in yep. the outdoors. Gotcha. Um, I think there's also one in Christchurch, um, at awesome. Arda. Yeah, so there's a few places. Awesome. Yeah. I love, I'm, I'm going to come back a little bit to, you know, you said you applied for the one of the customs role and there was a technical component to it or whatever, which resulted in you um, not getting that one. But I, I you know, I, it always interests me. I've been fortunate enough to catch up and connect with some old friends and some people that I, that I didn't know or spend time with. And it is something, and you sort of touched on it, which triggered my memory. There's not too many jobs for a breacher back in NZ, you know, with those, the skills that you learn there. But there's so much, and, and I think people's view and perception of what you do in those units 
is very narrow um, in terms of their understanding of that, and that's you know that's intended for, with, by the nature of the work and the unit and stuff itself, which is great. But there are so many I've found anyway, so many transferable skills to like from that hearts and minds component when you're out on jobs, and then bringing yeah. that in and building connection with people or trying to bring a team on the same path or understand the same vision. Um, being able to communicate with different cultures or different beliefs or different perspectives on things because you're surrounded by that every day, not only with like members of your team that you talked about, but also when you go out into the real world, people will call it, and, you, and you're working <laughs> with civilians. And there's yeah. there's this whole different dynamic, and um, but then the ability to be able to, you know, like you win some, you lose some, because yeah. not all of our, our approaches or styles are conducive to some of those environments <laughs> or for some people but yep. i just love that that's good like the planning and preparation that you go through for organizing courses the the notes that you take when you're going and gathering information your time at sasr and other jobs that you've done and getting that stuff and then compiling the report then presenting a written report and then standing and giving a verbal presentation all of that stuff is, is a lot of what I see in, in employment agencies or companies looking for these days. Yeah. When they talk about leaders or managers or even people that are coalface, is the ability to be able to connect with people, build relationships, strong positive relationships, maintain those, guide a team, lead a team, whatever. Um, and yeah, there's elements to, it's great if you've got certain qualifications, but man, like the amount of technical things that you've learnt in your time, just in the medics course, just in the SIGS course, just in close protection stuff, just in a whole bunch of other things that apply to so many different fields in the civilian world is just something that I've only probably recently in the last sort of five, seven years really understood and gone much like to your point about, oh, I don't think I can do this, like in those leadership positions, I've gone, connect, I can do that job. Like, yeah, yeah I can, I can do that role. Like that's got every, I can, and it's, it's been really cool to to have those opportunities where people have given me those opportunities is that something long-winded way of getting to a question but is that something from your side with regards to the experiences that you've had that you've found help you in different situations whether that was in thailand whether that's back here in nz whether that's in other parts of the world where you've been working and operating how much of your time and experience from the unit have you leveraged or utilized in your opinion to help you be able to performing those jobs to the best of your ability yeah a thousand percent it's helped bro and, and i think when like you when you learn a practice of reflection and taking the lessons um it, it just sidestepping that for a quick second yeah, yeah. one thing i was really grateful at outward bound bro is i have been given the gift to translate what i learned in the military into you know whatever civilian language if that's the term yeah, you want to yeah. use and um, yeah, my students that I had there, you know, the feedback I got was amazing because I, yeah, the hardship of 60K or, you know, yeah. the war things, um, just being able to narrate them into, into you know, do hard shit because it's important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, um, so, yeah, bro, those lessons have been, been huge. And a couple of years ago, looking at the veteran space and just Facebook and watching these guys come out of service and bitch and moan about the organisation, which I, I have my own bug to bear with the organisation um, currently, something I can talk about. But, um, bro, it taught me to learn. Yeah. It taught me respect. It taught me humility. 
Uh, it taught me to be fit. Uh, it taught me so many things. Yeah. You know, taught me to hide. Taught me to not hide. Yeah. You know, there's all these things like you. I, I avoided leadership courses, bro, because yeah. I hated that <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, it, it taught me so much. So when I see people, you know, but again, it's it's mindset and framing. Framing sunk. I'm very passionate about like understanding how to change the frame on a, a narrative. You know, to yeah, and, and that's the narrative I've chosen. That the military taught me so many skills in the unit. Just took that to the next level. You know, the things that it taught me and. Uh, just a sight, you know, like one day we were we were getting ready for a mission in New Zealand, but getting ready to go overseas. And um, I had a patrol commander who was in one battalion. Um, I won't say his name, but he, he might have been there when you were there. He'd left the unit um, and went back. He was a staff sergeant at one battalion when I was there. Right. But he'd come back to the unit. And I had him as a patrol commander. And I was just a young fella, bro, and we were getting our kit ready. And I was, you know, running around like a, a headless chicken. Mm. Um, we're just trying to move fast because we, we had things to do. And, and he said to me, hey, just slow down a bit and, and just be really precise with each job that you do. Um, and then move on to the next one. Bro, and I, well, that stayed with me till today, you know, that, that lesson. So, yeah, going forward and at Outward Bound, bro, it just, you know, those military skills that I got, yeah, just allowed me to, nothing was a challenge nothing and to this day like i had a meeting with a or not meeting a catch-up with a, a guy who was the training manager when i was at outward bound and we were talking about these things and um he just said something to me and i said that's not hard to me this is not hard yeah i said to me who's taking care of you you know you're taking care of all these people who's taking care of you mm. and i said nature is i go out into nature and she takes papa tunaku she takes yeah. care of me <laughs> you know because <laughs> i have that awareness but this i said john this is not hard you know, you chuck two radios on and people shooting at you and some mortars going off and RPGs and, you know, that that's hard. <laughs> you know, um, this is, life's not, depending on your context, but I've chosen to see, you know, those lessons have, have allowed me to, to view day-to-day -day life as not hard. Um, yeah, for me, it's not hard. I choose to live in, with intention and, um, yeah, those skills, yeah, a thousandfold, bro, and, and do to this day, like I said, you know, and I offer those now to other people. Um, yeah, my lessons of of how we do things and why. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. There's oh. so much to take. Yeah. Uh, sorry, bro, just to go. finish off, you know, I wish, and if you can do this or people you know, and I know Willie tried and, and I know others have tried and they're doing it very well in Aussie, is, but as much as our people coming out of service don't know what they have to offer, especially if you're a younger person, you and yeah. I have got some maturity um, and had some time to reflect, but younger people coming out, mm knowing what they've actually got as a skill set, um, but also also organisations yeah. knowing what we offer. You know, it's a two-way street, I think. If we could sit 100%. down with the, the boss of a big corporation and say, hey, you know, Joe and Papa got these skills, you know, and this is what it looks like, and then being open to those skills, not in a, a doctorate or a, you know, a PhD or a, yeah. a thing, but lived experience of leadership at the coalface, real leadership you know I, I call it because people dying around you is you know making those decisions so people live um that's leadership to me uh, at the at the highest level you know it's not a rugby game yeah. you know um yeah so those things uh, i wish organizations uh, would would also understand us um, and what we offer and give us the opportunity us i'm talking the collective yeah. Um, yeah. that that space to grow into that knowing that as bill talked about we have to learn that you know we're not all sas and we're not all yeah. 
striving to do as many burpees as we can, or, <laughs> you know. Um, but that takes time to learn, eh? And and yeah. but I have to be. We have to be given that opportunity to do that. And if there was more people like you doing things like this, educating us on that, like you come out of the service, you've been to war, you're going to be hyper aware. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Roger that. Yes, deal with that. Roger yeah. that for a while. <laughs> yeah. You'll get over it. If you choose to get over it, you'll get yeah. over it. You know, and what's wrong with sitting with your back to the toilet or, you know, whatever? Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Understand when it becomes an issue, when your yeah. partner says, you know, wake up, dickhead, what are you doing? You know, um, why are you seeking cover? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we can educate all that stuff now, bro. You know, enough yeah. of us have done enough of it to go, hey, here's the norms, team. Here's the norms. Yeah, and you get out of service. Like, you know, you haven't asked me, but you asked a lot of, what's your transition like? Yeah. Man, get out and do the next thing, just as you did getting in the army. You know, I understand it's not that easy. And, and again, I understand personality and people and mindset, but, um, you know, you, you choose what you want to do and, and, and yeah. get on with it. Yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. 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 But I want to come yeah. back to, you mentioned, um, and I want to give you an opportunity to speak about it, a bugbear with the organisation. Now, I don't know which organisation you're talking about, um, but you did mention, if I heard correctly, maybe an opportunity to speak about it here. I mean, if you want to, you can. I don't know what it is, but feel free if you'd like to, mate. Yeah, bugbear may be the wrong word, but um, <laughs> just looking at the Defence Force, like I just got back in for two years. Um, I think I put that down. I yeah. just got out in December. Um, and I went back to give back. Yeah. yeah. My sole intention was to go back and, and give back. Um and I got that opportunity to go to the youth development unit. Yeah, yeah. That, as I wrote to you, you know, mm. that didn't fit with me because, um, yeah, just the way they were operating was, 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 yeah, you know, I'm going to say you dangerous. It. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I've got all this, you know, background in the outdoors and experience and all these things I've done uh, leading people, you know, and, and to see the way they were operating. Um, and I called them out on it um, and that didn't go down too well. Mm. Um, yeah, it didn't go down too well at all. So, bang, it's out of there. Uh, second first, you know, can I can I come back? Um, and even that was an experience for me, bro, going back to there and trying to offer my knowledge. And, um, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is I also spent time working in Jordan at the King Abdullah right. Special Operations Training Centre. Yeah. You know, teaching a European Special Operations Unit, um, urban stuff. Um, no, I didn't so know yeah. about that, yeah. No, I didn't put it down. But, <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, luckily I've... I've had an opportunity to learn all these things from amazing people around the world. So I went back second first going, you know, I can offer this. Um, they reached out to me while I was at YDU when lockdown first happened. Right. Um, one of the boys who was ex-badge members now, or was back there, has just left to a training role somewhere else. Um, but he said, hey, bro, can you come run some training for our company during lockdown? Um, and I was like, Roger that, bro. I'll just reach out to my leadership and ask if that's okay. And got the kibosh, bro. Is that right? Got the, yeah, yeah. It just blew me. You know, we come from a... Man, somebody wants my help. Roger that. Yeah, and it's yeah. my, my expertise. Man, I love that shit. I love training people. Yeah. Um, so I got that opportunity and, and no, can't do it. I said, yeah, well, no, no. I'm just sitting in my room. Yeah. Um, I was at, at the time, I was in barracks. Yeah. So I'm just sitting in my room. Why not? So anyway, I was like, stuff it. I went and did it anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just wore civvies, bro. <laughs> because it was important, man. Like, if I get an opportunity to share my experiences to potentially help people stay alive, because I am an SME in it. You know, urban is my, my space. And yeah. like I said, I've trained a lot and learned a lot and read a lot about it. And um, 
you know, I got asked for help, so I was like, Roger that, and I'll, yeah. go, and, I'll go and help me and stuff you loose it. But anyway, so that led all on to me not being the flavour of the month at that place. So, um, so you weren't in your first. room where they wanted you to be when they, so when they can come, come get you. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, yeah, sorry, carry on. Nah, all good. So yeah, I went to second first, and um, I found that a really interesting space too, mate. That I turned up and and you know had all this knowledge and experience and and, tr- and, and training wing was that training wing? Yeah, yeah. yeah went into training wing, and um, you know obviously I knew a lot of those guys were like RSM, and I knew these guys from back in the day. RSM was recce patrol commander when I was in recce, and the SWI was a, a lower than who you know, joined after me uh, was in recce. Um, yeah. So I went back there, and but I yeah, there's other people in that organisation that I really struggled with, and uh, yeah, I found it really interesting that yeah, the way I was, the way they looked at me, and it wasn't until another guy come back into service, ex unit member, um, and he come to second first and come into training wing, and we were having a discussion one day, and he said to me, "Bro, I just don't feel welcome." <laughs> And, yeah. and it was a light bulb moment for me, mate. It's like, because I'd been searching for this feeling, like, what, what is it? What is it? Yeah. What do I feel? What Because I don't feel, and that was it. That's I didn't feel welcome. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just found it really interesting that, um, yeah, I had these certain senior NCOs, bro, that were, you know, just your knowledge um, threatened them, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, respectfully, like, you know, our infantry hadn't done a lot. You know, they haven't done a lot compared to what the unit had done. Um, and I was just there and said, hey, here's my knowledge. Uh, you want it, use it, man. I'm, I'll be out there every day training people if that's what you want. And they went, no, no, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, and I was wearing black rank because I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to show some way that I was a unit member, past, past unit member. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted a role model to young soldiers, um, you know. And had a certain staff sergeant come said, "Fucking get that off." You know, young, ten years younger than me, mate. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I found that really interesting, and um, but that led into yeah, what we're doing now with this with this Parkity program. We've just run three program, or sorry, four programs for the second first battalion yep. uh, in the resilience space, because um, it was identified that you know our soldiers are not resilient, and the junior NCO program was trying to develop a resilient week. Um, because they've identified that our people aren't resilient and um, yeah, it wasn't working too well. But so I, with my experience and, and got some people in that I'm working with to present to the CO and RSM and SWI um, and luckily they, they took that on board but only had funding for four programs. I'm not sure if it's going to continue but yeah. um, those programs offered a, offered some amazing stuff to our people. But that in that space, bro, it showed me while being there like our some of that leadership and I'll call them out, don't understand people. Mm. You know, they don't understand people. And I talked to the Army Leadership Centre, which is in Burnham, and um, some of the senior people there, and they're running amazing courses, bro, and doing some amazing stuff, self-awareness, all of these models that are perfect, but they come back to the battalion and it's not used at the battalion. Yeah, right. Because that senior leadership just doesn't understand how that could work. Yeah. You know, so they are, um, they're really capping, and, and there's a whole lot of... Um, yeah, the, the mental health, a friend of mine who's just got out of the army as an officer, he's um, yeah, not too happy at the moment. Um, he got treated not, not so well. Um, it's another story we can talk about later. But um, 
yeah, he was talking to, he got rung up by somebody the other day asking for help. He's out now, you know, and he got rung up asking for help. And anyway, he was talking to a doctor um, down at Burnham, amazing doctor. Um, said he's never seen a mental health crisis like this in the military um, ever. Yeah, burnout, wow. uh, depression, uh, all of these things. And yeah, for me, I look at our leadership and some of those people, and it's it's like I said to you about performance sport and about emergency services. There's mm. a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk and this and that, but I'm about action, man. You can read the book, but you've got to, mm. you've got to do it, mate. Deadlifts, yeah. you read the book, understand the, the positions. Yeah. But, man, at some stage, you've got to grab that barbell. Yeah. You know, read the book about running. I, I took up ultra running, bro, at 47, yeah. uh, just to role model to young soldiers. Um, well, not, you know, part of it, but to continue to do hard things. And, you know, I was really lucky to have young soldiers coming up to me all the time going, oh, can I talk to you about selection or can I talk to you about this? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, my partner will tell you at the gym every day, put, you know, you take three hours to train because I'm like, oh, yeah. can you tell me about this? Or, <laughs> you know, um, but just understanding people and that's why I helped, you know, create this Pakati program because it's just understanding our people and what they need. Um, you know, as a trainer, you know how to do that. You see, okay, this mm. is, yeah, but the system overall, yeah, is not, not allowing that and, and I have a fear that, you know, somebody's going to get hurt yeah. you know, because we're not, you know, oh, that's the fear down there. You know, it's, I'm just yeah. re, you know, re-sowing it. No, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I, I wanted to ask you, how many mm. people do you cater for on those courses or the four programs that you were able to run? Because have you run those programs already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? Oh, amazing, amazing results too, bro. Yeah, a thousand percent better than we thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, just giving them, and, and so just a, a background on those courses is, yeah. mate. My my focus is trying to be proactive. You know, with with people in the the trauma space, like yep. y- as you know, uh, we've got a lot of. I don't think it works very effectively. We have a lot of systems in place for when you're broken, man. At the bottom of the ambulance, at the bottom yeah. of the cliff, man. Let's. I'm all about let's let's, man. Let's do the stuff at the top. Mm. You know, I'll teach you how to tie some knots. I'll teach you how to go over the edge safely. You know, lower yourself down, opposed to just jumping and being hurt physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually whatever whatever that thing so so yeah just looking at the the systems and so yeah my focus was to give them preactive tools so breathing mindfulness gotcha. um, self-talk but then putting them into a nature environment bro where you have to test those things like uh, we do a, a, a rescue day in the sea in middle of winter so it's nice, cold so yeah. you've got to deal with a bit of self-talk around that and breathing obviously to get the skill and then we do some testing so they've got to be on the clock yeah. got to do a rescue within a set time we do a canyon in the in the able tasman that's beautiful bro six meter jump eight meter waterfall jump um uh cold middle of winter yeah um some true self-talk because a lot of people talk up i'm comfortable but you get them in there you, like, you know you yeah. <laughs> you observe people like i do bro you know you could hey bro what's what's going on for you right now <laughs> Man, because you're in camp, you're as loud as hell. <laughs> and out here, you are silent and your body position's all covered up. <laughs> you're like a book to me, bro. People are like a book, you know, that you, you know as I yeah. do. Once, I if you're in this space and you're learning people and you, you know, they become like a book and your body language. Um, yeah, so the doing, because back to that, for me, it's important to do, bro. And, and our defense force I saw when I was there is they've got these beautiful publications bro pre-deployment post-deployment got these little fold out beautiful cards on mental health um but when i was there i asked the question well what does that look like in action yeah what does that actually mean in the doing of 
um, and, and nobody could answer me. You know, I get, used to get a lot, Pup, you, you don't understand. Well, I do understand, mm. you know, yeah. But I don't have a PhD. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a PhD. Yeah, PhD. Was a lot of that stuff, because that's interesting, sorry to, if I'm going off on a tangent no. here as, as well, but is a lot of that stuff, because that interests me, what you're talking about, is it set up in a way that it's then up to the individual to reach out to leverage those resources? For want of a better term, like all the all the beautiful stuff in the brochures and in the pamphlets, is that up to then the individual soldier, he or she, if they feel they need it, do they then sort of like an EAP, you know, like that employee assistance program stuff where they have to do it themselves? Is that how that is set up? Mate, I just got told the other day that a guy I know uh, really well um, tried to commit suicide in his OC's office. Mm. He'd run the helpline 10 times. Right. Nobody got back to him. And he, he was a man of God. Um, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met, mate. Driven. Um, but the place he was at. Uh, oh, yeah, man. not it. Yeah. He, that's how, that's how that's desperate he got. That's a major warning sign. Something's not right. Anyway, got, um, luckily his OC went to work early and, and found him and cut him down. And the story I got told is got told to take a couple of breaths and go back to work. Wow. For the for the OC that found him. That's crazy, man. Yeah, the wife got rung and um, she said, oh, should I meet him at hospital? I said, oh, no, he's still here. Wow. Yeah, so... <laughs> the bigger story is, is, you know, and like you said, we could talk forever. And yeah. um, But for me, it's... my. My partner's uh, twin sister uh, is a teacher at Rangiora um, College, Rangiora High, right. uh, 2,000 students. And we talk a lot around, you know, learning and, and students' resilience, yeah. all of these things, you know, the kaupapa. Um, but one thing the teachers thought is that they would stop seeing the trauma from the Christchurch earthquakes. Mm. Or anyway, that's ongoing. Yeah, I bet. So they're still seeing it. Mm. So I have an understanding, and, and a lot of us have an understanding that, uh, like COVID, there's real issues around COVID lockdown for our young. Yeah. Well, those people are joining the army now. Mm. And what I know, talking, you know, I had a lot of meeting with the counsellors down there, social workers and the doctors. Um, they're just joining the service bar and getting, you know, re-traumatised by a corporal yelling at them. Crazy. You know? Yet we don't understand childhood trauma and the effects, and then how am I as a person um, if I don't have understanding? Uh, you know, every time I, I yell at a young girl or a young boy in the service, I'm affecting them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that manifest in people crying out for help in, in these army camps, and um, yeah. the system's not in. Bro, to get a meeting with the social worker took me took me six weeks because he was so busy. Another six, another two months to get him to a meeting to, to talk about. So I tried to introduce this program, so they could offer it to their people. Yeah. Um, as a as a like a pathway or. Outside of second first, like yeah. you know, if if you've got some people that need a break, then you know here's a program for three days in nature, yeah. um, three nights in nature, uh, to give them that break. And, and one of the social workers had worked in that space before, knew how powerful it was. But did you think we could? You think we could psych? So, but trying to get a meeting with the psych, the camp psych. You know, months too busy. That's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. So, 
it's for me, but I hear a lot of words, I hear a lot of talk, I see a lot of beautiful things, but there's an action phase to, <laughs> to anything, um, you know, unless it's only academic. Um, but to be better uh, actively or, or uh, reactively, um, there's, a, there's that action phase and, and carrying the barbell or doing the squat or, you know, running the run yeah. has to happen. Um, so teaching people to breathe, then there has to be a process of giving them the opportunity to breathe. And it's all well and good me saying exactly bro you know hey breathing's awesome team do this yeah. you know man you have to do it and you have to do it somewhere where you have to do it yeah like cold water <laughs> you've got to breathe you know but i'm not saying it'll work for you but you have to try yeah you know mindfulness you have to try find that modality that you were speaking yeah. about mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i have to put you into that place to do that you can't a lot of people you, as i saw it outward bound bro some people get it like that most people don't it's got to be a pathway of doing. It's got to build that neural pathway of, you know, squats. You know, how do I do a proper squat? How do I do a proper thruster? I've got to build a neural pathway to become proficient. It's no different to breathing or mindfulness or whatever you choose. You know, you've got to build that pathway, and that's practice, repetition. Yeah. Yeah, but the organisations across New Zealand don't don't allow that space of repetition to be better. Yeah. If you're emergency services, bro, you get three three counselling sessions and you're done that's crazy eh yeah good luck with that if you don't get a good counsellor yeah yeah and yeah. all the the time it takes to be able to, to get in on those sessions if it's taking six weeks or you know longer to it's like man yeah mate I, I um I definitely think there's we need to connect again yeah um hopefully hopefully you do too but there's also something <laughs> else uh, that I'm going to speak with you about but what I want to do here is if it's alright with you is yep. look to just wrap up this session um, and acknowledge you for A coming on the podcast B sharing just snippets bro of the things that you've that you've done and been involved in but also more importantly just to acknowledge and, and express my love and appreciation for the things that you're doing um, in this mental health space in the space that you're clearly passionate about and wanting to try to pay it forward and help that next generation coming through but also those that are in there at the moment mm. you've touched on some things that some people may not want to hear and mm-hmm. uh, you know I guess too bad like there's not a lot of editing that goes on on, on this podcast bro so <laughs> it'll be going up as it is um, and if people have you know their problems or whatever that then they can just contact me if they need to but i i just want to take the time to acknowledge and thank you for your honesty on here and our time together thank you for accepting again to come on um sharing some of the insights which you've shared and i'm looking forward to staying connected with you pup and um, having some more conversations with you maybe in a slightly different setting to this um in addition to seeing you know what it is that you're doing and how it can send and drive more attention to that so um, Great, what yeah. I'll do is, so it's with Abel Tasman Sea Kayaking, you're with? Yeah, yep. Um, and if they, at. yep. But if they, if people want to look online, Pakari, uh, dot, dot NZ. NZ. Yep. Cool. Pakari, P-A-K-A-R-I dot NZ. I'll yep. make sure all of that stuff goes into the show notes, but brother, this has been an absolute privilege and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to staying connected and catching up with you again and, um, appreciate you and your time, bro. Grateful, bro. And uh, as always, at the end of these, we sign off with who dares wins.